here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. <laughs> I like him. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In, like in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Just stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I'm Rich Cranch, alongside, as always, King of Banter, Kent Kobashi of Sex, Reason Well Explained Man, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's going on? Listeners, no time for any of that. We got a we lot going on. 19 shows to review here. <laughs> it's it. It's been a busy week here. I'm uh, I'm very ready for this week to be over with match of the year, with all the four shows, with just a ton of shit going on. I'm just ready for this week to be gone and and done. And I should really schedule vacations this week because you know, like our book's done, match of the year's done. Things get a little boring in you know February. I should I should really schedule a, a vacation for this time as opposed to April when or you know during WrestleMania weekend. <laughs> I decided that would be a great time to schedule a vacation this time. But you know, hey, match of the year, four major shows. I've been moving you know people into my house all week which I'm still doing today. Acquiring so children. You're acquiring children left and right. I think you have six right now, I believe. I've acquired children. You've got dogs. you got kids. you got... How are the, how are the dogs? Six. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Every day, you got a new child coming in. No, but uh, how are the dogs uh, taking to the uh, the little ones? Uh, they're fine. Okay, yeah, they're, they don't they're, care. The, the, the kids had a hard time adjusting to the dogs at first, but now they're all just... Yeah. It's a big happy family now. They're, they're all they're all just fine. It's a, it's a Brady Bunch scenario. You're bringing two kids into this relationship. She's bringing two, correct? It's something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> like- you know, but uh, yeah, they're all getting along. The do- the dogs are very uh, mild mannered, so there's there's no there's no danger in it. The, the 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 children are more dangerous to the dogs than the dogs are to the children. Oh, they're grabbing ears and grabbing tails and stepping on them and stuff. Is it just well, or is it? One kid's so young, he doesn't understand. So he's hitting the dogs because he thinks he's playing with them. Right. And my dogs don't know how to react. They just look at me like, save me. You know, they, 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 you know, they're not snapping at him or going at him, but the kid doesn't understand. He's excited, you know, but he's smacking the dog around, you know, so the dog just cowers and goes into another room. It's actually kind of sad to watch. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's been a, a very hectic week. And, uh, I think I have to sneeze. You know what? I'm going to mute my mic. Okay. I'm going to sneeze, and you're going to set up this show. I will do that. Okay. Well, you enjoy your sneeze. Anyway, yes, plenty to get to today. We got two new beginning shows. Uh, of course, Royal Rumble. Big news coming out of the Royal Rumble. Obviously, the Ronda Rousey and the Women's Royal Rumble being the main event. We'll talk about that. Uh, NXT TakeOver. Uh, great show as well. We always say never bet against the TakeOver, and this was yet another great example with a potential all-time great match. Like Not like an all-time great NXT match, but legitimately, in, in some people's minds, an all-time great WWE and an all-time great 
every you know promotion match and the almost garganos we'll talk about that uh get a little bit into the match of the year of course uh by the time most of you guys listen to this you'll hopefully have seen it on the website voicewrestling.com we'll have our match of the year up so uh joe and i will talk about our ballots review all our ballots and uh, discuss the top 10 discuss some fun stuff throughout that match of the year uh as well but yeah there's some good stuff and we're gonna kind of um we we kind of talked about how to how to, how to exactly cover this weekend? Because there's been so much stuff. And it'd be tedious if we went, all right, new beginning at Sapporo 1. All right, every single match. Okay, new beginning at Sapporo 2. All right, every match. Okay, Royal Rumble. By the time we do that, it's going to be three hours. We're going to be done. We won't even get to take over. We won't even get to whatever. So we're going to try to do it a little bit differently as opposed to going match by match for those. Just because there's so much stuff in, in each of those shows to kind of dig into. And different, you know, big news coming out of both of them. And, and, and returns and debuts and all the other good stuff. I'll talk about that. And then, of course... Uh, yeah, as I said, yeah, the match of the year and then uh, anything else that comes up along the way. But uh, before we get all uh, to all that stuff, though, I do want to let you know that this episode of the Voice Rising Flagship Podcast is sponsored by Dollar Shave Club. And by now, you and everybody knows that Dollar Shave Club ships amazing ragers for just a few bucks. Both Joe and I have been members for a while, and we, of course, love our shaves. What you might not know, and you probably know this by now because we've been saying what you might not know for months now, but uh, Dollar Shave Club also has products for pretty much everything else in the bathroom. You know this. They got body wash. They have shampoo. They got hair gel. They have lip balm. They have everything. Dollar Shave Club makes it easy and convenient for you to upgrade your shave and your bathroom. Just like the razors, everything is super high quality and left me and Joe looking and feeling amazing. From premium ingredients to sophisticated scents, Dollar Shave Club is changing the game. And if you're like us and sick of the nonsense at the store, sick of waiting for somebody, now is time to try out Dollar Shave Club. For a limited time, Dollar Shave Club is giving away, basically giving away, their shit shower shave starter set to new members for only five bucks. That's only five bucks. This starter set features their executive razor, Three trial size versions of their most popular products that will help you stay fresh and clean. In your first box, you will receive the shave butter, the body wash, and the infamous one wipe Charlie's butt wipes. You'll also receive their executive razor, which includes the premium weighty handle and a full cassette of cartridges after the first box. Replacement cartridges are sent for only a few bucks per month. This offer, of course, is exclusively available at dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. Dollar Shave Club's high quality products will have you covered from face cheeks to butt cheeks. There's no better time to try the club. Dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. We, of course, thank them again for sponsoring this week's episode. All right. Uh, how the hell do you want to tackle everything? We got so much going on this week. All right. I don't, so know, I don't even know where to start. We just gotta we just gotta get into it and figure it out as we go. I'll pull the card here. How about that? Let's do it. Let's uh I think we should start with the Royal Rumble because you know it is the usually the second biggest show of the year. I would say this year it's probably the third biggest show of the year, right? I would, you know, Wrestle Kingdom pulling the big number. Um I'm I'm sure this show didn't draw 30,000 fans because they don't have 30,000 seats to fit into that building. Uh, but at any rate, it's one of the biggest shows of the year, so let's start there. Uh so what we'll do is We've got a little gimmick that we're going to do here because we've got the four big shows to review. And we're going to change it up a little bit, as Rich alluded to. It's going to be more of a free-form sort of uh, review of these shows. And we're going to start each show off with uh, – I'm going to pose the following question. Okay, To me, there was one big story to come out of each of these four shows. So – I will declare what that story is, and I think that 99% of people would agree on on those four big stories for each of the shows. And then I'm going to uh, kick it to Rich, and he's going to give me what he thinks is the underhyped story of the show. So, for example, we're starting with the Royal Rumble. Obviously, the big story coming out of the Royal Rumble was the appearance of Ronda Rousey. Uh, I think, without question, that's the biggest story to come out of the show, but Rich... 
What do you think is the most underhyped story coming out of the show? A story that may have been the biggest story of the show had Rousey not been there. Uh, for me, the most underreported, underhyped story of the Royal Rumble is the return of the Royal Rumble in a lot of ways. And it was the fact that the match after a few years of it being kind of, eh, I mean, last year's was real bad, if I remember correctly. Uh, I remember us kind of, you know, eviscerating it a little bit. I always have people over at my house, so I kind of remember these moments pretty vividly. The year before was okay, but still not that great. And 2015 was really just a complete fucking mess. But, um, or that, that was, that 2015 was a complete fucking mess, but yeah. that was one that was like a fun mess or whatever, but it still wasn't a very good match. I mean, it was, it was only good because it sucked. Right. It only it was, was good because the crowd said, this match fucking sucks and fuck you. We're just going to shit on it for the the rest of the half hour or whatever so and that made it fun but it wasn't necessarily good in that sense this year's royal rumble and really you can extend it to the women's royal rumble too if you want to but this year's royal rumbles were great i thought the men's royal rumble was just an amazingly booked well-worked fun exciting match from top to bottom and it's like this is what those Royal Rumbles can be. I mean, you can tell a lot of different stories in there. You can do, you know, throw little nuggets here and there. You can have great character development. But I thought they nailed this Royal Rumble. I think the result was obviously the right um, with Shinsuke Nakamura. You had a result that the crowd was sort of invested in. So it made it a little fun as well as they were sort of rooting that guy on to win. I thought she had good little micro stories throughout. But I thought this was like, this harkened back to those old days when the Royal Rumble used to just fucking kill it. And it just used to be a perfectly booked, well-built, fun match throughout and, and that's really the thing to me if, if, if rousey doesn't come out and and really to a lesser extent we'll talk about another story as well i think the story coming out of this would be the royal rumble being awesome and how that match sort of returned after a few years dormant but of course there's many other things that sort of overshadowed it but uh yeah i thought it was kind of underreported is how good that royal rumble was uh i'm gonna go with for mine sasha banks and asuka getting pushed to the moon and um and and, and really given a ton of shine Banks lasted 57 minutes in the match and was clearly booked to be the star of the match. Coming in at number one, I think there was a lot of symbolism there with it being the first Women's Royal Rumble. They bring Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch out one and two. Uh, Charlotte, of course, not in the match because she's a champion. And, uh, you know, other people that arguably could have been uh, put in a spot like that. Uh, you know, Paige obviously injured. And uh, they save Bailey for the end of the match. So, and I would also think that um, you know it sure seems at this point like Bailey is the least favorite of the people who matter. Oh yeah, it's not even close. It's not even close at this point. I mean, she is yeah. so far behind the rest of the, the 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 crew. Now she wasn't treated like an absolute non-entity. I mean, she had a prime spot towards the end and all those sorts of things. She didn't get to the final four, but it's very clear that it was symbolic that Sasha was number one in particular. Um, you know, and starting the match with Becky Lynch. Did you think from the beginning when Banks came out there that she was going to kind of be the Iron Woman, that she was going to go through the entire match? Because everybody that we were watching with, the second she came out, we went, all right, there you go. She's lasting until like the very end. You know, I don't think she's going to win, but she's going to last the whole way. I mean, it just seems so obvious that when she came out there and we, we were saying too, what was cool is that like, that's something that you know that her deep down wanted that. You, you know, if there was ever a woman that wanted to step up and say, yeah, please let me go the 60 minutes. Or let me go, you know, all the way till the end or whatever. It was going to be someone like Sasha Banks who busted her ass and did, you know, took everyone's finisher throughout that match too. Everyone's, and when I mean everyone's finisher, I mean the Kelly Kelly's, the Tori, I mean, she took everyone's moves the entire match. She's got to be, she had to be so sore after that. And then she followed up, you know, obviously taking a night off with, with Oscar and Raw, but you know. Yeah, I do think it was tipped off, and I'm okay with it because it was the first Women's Rumble and all those sorts of things. I usually hate stuff like that, where you could like the year Rey Mysterio won. I mean, you knew he was winning. Oh, in you knew it was in four minutes. Yeah, in four, four minutes, you knew that and, guy was staying the whole time. Yeah, and to me, that that ruins the entire match. I remember disliking that match a lot, 
um, because it was so obvious what they were doing. Um, with Flair, I was a little too young to realize it was obvious. You know what I mean? So I, I still enjoyed that one. Um, and really that is just, that one was so great that it would, it was impossible not to enjoy anyway, in large part to Bobby Heenan, who I know despite getting a ton of credit, I still doesn't think get enough credit for how great that match was. Um, but anyway, um, kind of drifting from the point, but yeah, it was pretty obvious, uh, but I'm okay with it in this scenario. I thought Becky Lynch would make it to the end too. I thought they'd do it with both of them. I thought Becky's elimination was somewhat surprising. You know, she only went about 20 minutes or so. Um, I thought I, my, my first instinct was they're both getting to the final four. Uh, and then, and then Asuka, I think too, not only just by winning the match and remaining undefeated, but by slapping Ronda Rousey's hand away when Rousey came in to, uh, you know, point at the sign and shake her hand and, um, do whatever the hell it is she was doing. Um, you know, they didn't, to me, and I know this has been a debate point, to me, they did not overshadow Asuka's win at all, despite the fact that Rousey came out. And they did not punk Asuka at all. Because Asuka did not just, you know, accept the handshake and and back down and become part of the, the fucking foreground. She slapped her hand away and was like, no, fuck you. I'm not shaking your hand. And to me even though that doesn't seem like the direction they're going in terms of those two facing each other uh, at WrestleMania, um, that to me was, you know, as I'm, as I'm watching that, I'm thinking that's my most anticipated women's match in the company. Now Ronda yeah. Rousey versus Asuka. No, and I think you're absolutely right. And, and, and I, I was kind of confused when I saw a lot of the, the, the tenor run, it was mostly the morning after. I mean, the, the, the night of, I was kind of busy with, with people at my sure. you know, house or whatever. So I wasn't really following on Twitter, but then the, the morning after was when I really started reading some of the reactions. And I was kind of confused that everybody was talking about how Asuka's moment got overshadowed and, and all that sort of stuff. And to me, it was like, I don't think you, I mean, Asuka never took her eyes off Rousey the entire time. If you look at that and, and the camera focused on Asuka a little bit too, where Asuka was just like, almost in a way pissed about it that hey who the fuck are you and yes. how dare you and yeah and then rosie comes there with the handshake and yeah if Asuka shakes her hand and bows down and like hugs her and smiles and walks away or whatever or, or has, this, goes or has like this or has this look of awe oh my gosh yeah, right right like there's none of that no no it was she's staring at her kind of like grimacing she extends the hand she slaps it away and kind of looks at her like how fucking dare you come out here at this time when when you know this is my moment or whatever and i thought that played into a story perfectly so when i saw that it was like rousey's overshadowing and all this sort of stuff i was like i think you're missing the larger point about this and and yeah i don't it's not the match they're going for right now but i thought you know i'm giving WWE the benefit of the doubt here that they're sort of building or 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 throwing some breadcrumbs here that this is something that's significant and and i thought it was significant in in just by her not bowing down and not kowtowing and not going oh my god it's rounder because we've seen that i mean god yeah. go back a few weeks when stephanie commands announcing the royal rumble and everybody breaks character and and hugs and cries and goes oh my god thank you stephanie Asuka didn't do that. She goes, who the fuck are you? And that I yeah. thought that was such a cool moment of it that while everybody else is bowing down and, and Stephanie's shaking their hands and everyone sort of bows before the, the altar of Ronda Rousey, Asuka's there going, no, 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 no. <laughs> this is my moment. And I thought that was kind of cool. She sort of played into the, the the character a little bit and kind of played into what a lot of the narrative was that Rousey was stealing her moment. And, and you know, maybe that's what was happening, but I think for a larger character point, that's going to help Asuka that Rousey quote unquote stole her moment or whatever. I think Asuka got the, 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 you know, the, the celebration or whatever Rousey comes out and sort of in a way ruins it, but it might in the end lead to a really big match for the two of them. So no, I, I, I did. I thought it was perfect for the story. Yeah. And I mean, um, you know, I, I don't think it, it stole Asuka's moment at all. I, I, I don't agree with that line of thinking, um, you know, particularly, and, and, and here's the thing in, in, in pro wrestling, it's, 
it's for years and decades, really, money matches have been built by someone stealing someone else's moment. That's pro wrestling, people. So even if Rousey did, quote unquote, steal the moment, so what? That's pro wrestling. If it builds a match that's that's and it builds a match that draws money and is successful, then that's the goal. Right. Pro wrestling for better or for worse is always about the next match. You know what I mean? Yeah, like never and, and that's like the school of Paul Heyman we talk about. NXT is great at doing that. You know, Gabe Sapolsky is great at doing that coming from the, the Heyman lineage is like, you know, and, and we Heyman lineage is probably the best way to go for it because like that guy would leave ECW and have his big moment and then some dude would just come out and they'd, they'd start that next feud or whatever. You yes. know what I mean? And that's, we see it. NXT is the same way too. Sami Zayn's moment when he won the championship was ruined five seconds later by, you know, Kevin Owens coming out and kicking his ass or whatever. And that's, that's, it's always, you know, for better force, we always kind of want that moment. Or I think a lot of newer fans are clamoring for that big moment of appreciation and the big moment where the person stands up and the confetti's all over the place and all that. But really pro wrestling one-on-one is, Use that moment to get the next match over. Get use that yes. moment to get the next heel or the next baby face. Get the let them get in involved in that and then build that next match up. It's always about the next. It's next match up. It's very rarely the in the moment thing. We always sort of want that celebration, but that's what makes it work is that we, you know, heels will take away that celebration from a baby Absolutely. face. We've kind of lost yeah. that. I don't know why people don't. I mean, that's processing one on one, really. Yeah, and I and I know, and it's like, look, I, I think there's a time and a place for that for sure. Um, but at the same time, you had an opportunity here to have an interaction between, in this kayfabe world, the two baddest women on the planet. And I don't want to hear from MMA nerds telling me that Ronda Rousey lost two fights and her aura is gone. Did we learn nothing from Mike Tyson's involvement in wrestling? Or <laughs> Right or, after he was, yeah, exactly. Did we learn nothing from Brock Lesnar? And, the, you know, he, go, he, he gets his ass kicked in UFC. How many times did he lose in UFC? And still comes off like the biggest badass in the world when he comes back to WWE. Guys, it does not fucking matter. Perception is reality. Okay? And the perception is Ronda Rousey is a badass motherfucker. Whether the actual sport of mixed martial arts has passed her by, whether she was dominating shallow talent pools when she was ahead of the game, none of that fucking matters in this context. What matters in this context is she's Rowdy Ronda Rousey, who armbarred people in under 30 seconds for you know five years or whatever it was, and is a bigger mainstream star than anybody in the company. That's all that matters. And I don't, Asuka, know, I don't know, Joe. Remember, uh, Tyson lost those previous two fights to Holyfield before he came into the WWF. And as we know, it was no success. It's a terrible success. I mean, that's it just right, didn't work no, like, at all. Yeah, I mean, everybody, the baddest man the planet no 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 he you know lost the title to, to holy field and then got dq'd the next time so he's not the baddest man anymore i mean yeah. come on so it was you know it was obvious that that didn't work for wf and was a complete disaster in all forms so brock yeah. lesnar a 500 fighter you know, <laughs> right, like, right his aura was just completely destroyed by losing fight i mean it, it's i'm so tired of seeing that argument it, it's, it's 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 just exhausting to argue against it, it doesn't fucking matter um so it, it, it's like it, the, these are the two baddest women on the planet in the context of WWE. But I do think that they protected Sasha Banks as well, uh, which is also a good thing. So in, in terms of Rousey, um, you know, I, I, I have no problem with how any of it played out. Zero problem whatsoever. And I know we've talked a little bit about this um, over the course of the week, and I know we're on the same page. Um, but I mean, fr- from where we stand, and I guess you could add your nuance to it, this would be different for me 
and I may be on the side of the argument that Rousey's coming in here and stealing spotlights and stealing WrestleMania paydays and overshadowing all these women who worked hard to build the division. I'd be totally a hundred percent in on that argument. Okay. If she was coming in for a one shot at mania, the fact that Ronda Rousey, as my phone goes off, as I always forget to turn it off. <laughs> the fact that Ronda Rousey is signed to a WWE contract. Okay. To me, that other argument goes out the window now. Guys, she's on the team. She's on the roster. Okay? So if you want to push her as the number one woman, which you rightfully should because she's the biggest star, you'd be foolish not to push her as the number one woman, even though people don't want to hear that. You know, I'm sorry. It's a hard dose of reality. Okay? I used to work for a boss, and one of his uh, key phrases he would use in meetings is he would go, okay, guys, it's time for brutal facts, is what he would call it. It would always Kurt come. Hawkins? Was it Kurt Hawkins? It would always it was always come towards the end of the meeting, and he would say, okay, guys, it's time for the brutal facts, right? And he'd get up, and he, he, he still used like a whiteboard, right? He wasn't like a PowerPoint guy. You know, he was one of these old school guys. He'd get up there, and you'd have a room full of, uh, you know, of, uh, a room full of, you know, executives there, and he'd be there in front of the whiteboard. And he would put all of our embarrassing numbers on the board and where we were failing. And it wasn't to beat us down. It was just, look, these are the brutal facts. Joe, this is where you are deficient. This is where your team is deficient. This is where your people aren't getting it done. Give me the answers of how you're going to fix it. And he'd go around the room and do it to all of us. You know what I mean? It's not because he was dick. He'd backpat us and give us out of boys when warranted. But sometimes you just have to be faced with brutal facts, you know, in order to grow and get better and do what you're supposed to do. And I'm sorry, but the brutal fact here is I don't care if you're an Alexa Bliss fan or a Charlotte fan or a Sasha Banks fan. Ronda Rousey is by far the biggest female star in that company and arguably the biggest star, period. You want to argue Rousey versus Cena? I'm not interested in that right now. Okay, I'm, I'm just not interested in it. Not today. But she's the biggest female, and she's on the team. She's signed to a contract. Push the fuck out of her and see what it can do. There's no reason not to push her to the moon and push her as the number one star. And if that means that these other women have to take a back seat, I, I don't know what to tell you. Too bad, so sad. That's how life works. She's the biggest star. Okay. Maybe, you know, other people will step up and get the rub off of Ronda, and, and, and hopefully that's the way they book it out long term. But listen, Rich, I, I kind of think you're going to echo my thoughts, but I have no problem with this because she's on the team. She's signed to a contract. She's a WWE wrestler now. You may as well uh, treat her as one, and if she's the biggest star, and if you think she can draw the most money and garner the most attention, then she does deserve whatever push she gets. Right, she's not parachuting in to promote a movie and then bouncing, you know, in a month or whatever. And then, then I would absolutely see the justification for that. But I would still sort of argue, and and full disclosure, I mean, I don't really give a shit about Ronda Rousey all that much. You know, to me, I don't really care that she's in. Like, I don't know that she's going to be great. I mean, what her performance at the Royal Rumble certainly doesn't have me very confident in her. But there's no denying how big of a star she was. And and I screenshotted every single sports website I could find the morning of in ESPN, Sports Illustrated, CBS Sports, Bleacher Report, front page, front page, every single one of them was Ronda Rousey and WWE. 
every single one of them was Ronda Rousey at some point was in there. And some had it more prominent. ESPN had it right in, you know, front and side. ESPN was was there from the beginning with Rona Shelburne, who, who was one of their great reporters, was in the audience and 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 they're reporting it and had the scoop on her signing or whatever. So that was a big deal. And they had it on the front page. I mean, it, she's a huge crossover star. And that's where I think a lot of people are losing sight of, of, of just what she can bring to the table, which is, yes, you want to, you know, in some way, I, I see why some people are sort of upset. Oh, you know, Asuka and, and, and Sasha Banks and Bailey and Becky and Charlotte, you know, these people built up this division. And now it's just going to get taken from them. Well, one way that I'll say is they built it up to the point where one of the biggest stars in the world in, in terms of Ronda Rousey, which she is, I mean, there's really no denying it. In terms of sports world, she is one of the biggest sports stars in the world you've built up the division where she doesn't see it as a total embarrassment that she's coming in here. You know what I mean? Like she's not coming in in 2007. You know, if we say that whoever was the biggest female star in 2007 is not going to come into the diva search era, WWE divas division. Right. I mean, that's not happening. If it's a big sports star, you, you know, like Serena Williams decides I'm done with tennis. There's no fucking way she's going to WWE to join Kelly Kelly and, and Maria Kanellis and, and all that sort of stuff. Well, they've built up the division to the point where Ronda Rousey can sort of come in as a big time sports star and it's not laughed at. It's not sort of, oh, my God, what's she going to do? It's like, yeah, Ronda Rousey could fit into this. You know, a, a former MMA fighter, a former UFC fighter can fit perfectly in this division because it's gotten to that level. It's gotten so good. So it's it's really in one way, it's a credit to them that they've sort of built this this foundation that Ronda Rousey can then come into. And then the other thing is too, is Ronda Rousey coming into it, as we've said time and time again, we talked about it last week when we sort of rumored that she was going to come in and, and we kind of had a feeling, despite the fact that TMZ said she wasn't, I'm, I'm stunned Joe that TMZ got the story, uh, you know, a little wrong. It's, it's just, it's just mind boggling, but um, she raises the profile of everybody. I mean, everybody that's in the ring with her at any given time is going to be whatever. I mean, that first match she has against, Whoever, whether it be Sasha, whether it be Asuka, whether it be, hell, it could be Alicia Fox. It's just not going to matter. Alicia Fox is going to be on the front page of ESPN. Alicia unfortunately, Fox is going to be. Unfortunately, it's going to be Stephanie McMahon, but oh, well, yeah, but <laughs> I mean, that's that's a completely different thing, you know. It's a step, that's a different issue and right, a different some, argument, but right? Yeah. I, I will because I heard some people go like, "Oh, I, I hate it because it's just another McMahon thing." And, and hey, I'm a hundred percent with you on that. I would not use it as a conduit to get more McMahons over, but that's that's their thing. I'm sort of I'm pie in the guy that it's going to be helping the women's division and they're going to be working with the women's division i i I don't know if it's a mcmahon thing i apologize i'm sorry i can't help that and i won't defend that but in the context of her being a full-time wrestler in the women's division it raised the profile of every single one of those and we saw it on royal rumble that match isn't main eventing if ronda rousey doesn't come out like you know everyone saw she ruined the historic main event it's not a historic main event unless ronda rousey comes out so and you're going to be main eventing summer slams you're going to be main eventing big time shows with the women and yeah. that is a credit to her, whether you like it That's or the not. That's the Rousey factor. And they're going to be yeah. legitimate main events this time, not let's forcefully make history, quote unquote, and, and main event and put a match on last when it's not really the main event, because that's another point here. There's, there's, there's being the main event and then there's going on last. And those are two different things. Okay. And the fact of the matter is, like you just said, and that was going to be my brutal fact number two. Brutal fact number one is she's the biggest woman, she's the biggest female star in the company. Period. That's brutal fact number one. Accept it or live in denial. Brutal fact number two is like you just said, you kind of stole my thunder, but you just said it. Brutal fact number two is you want to talk about history and the women's Royal Rumble main eventing the show and or going on last, however you want to forget. That doesn't happen if Rousey isn't there. You have her to thank. She didn't take anything away. She's the reason it went on last, you dope. I mean, come on. Let's use your brain here. 
If Rousey's not, if they don't have Rousey on this show, it opens the show. Or it goes on third like the men's match did. I mean, come on. We can be honest here, can't we? You know? I mean, I know people are going to call the woke police on me, but that, that's the facts. It's a brutal fact. It wouldn't have went on last. Well, how many of us, that the second the men's got announced, we were scrambling and going, okay, well, Rousey's out. And, yeah, Rousey's, and Rousey's coming. Yeah. Rousey's coming. I mean, you knew it. You knew it from the moment that, for better or for worse, again, like if you want to argue that that shouldn't have been the conduit to get the women in the main event, whatever, but it was because she's a big-time star. And her main eventing at Royal Rumble was a big moment for, for the company and the big moment for, for sports media. And that's what it's all about. They want to lead off Sports Center. They want to be and on Sports Center with you're seeing, a match. And you're, and you're seeing the Rousey effect elevate the level of all of the women already because on her first night in, she pushed them to the main event. So you're seeing the Rousey effect. So no matter what you think of Rousey, if you're a big fan of, of you know the quote-unquote women's revolution, the women moving up on the card, you should be rooting for Rousey to be a success. She's a, She has even wrestled the match and and she's and she's pushing matches to the main event i mean come on i mean it's right there in front it is almost like this is a perfect scenario where people are not seeing the forest through the trees it's it's you know the anti-rousing i mean it's it's crazy to me um but yeah so i i have no problem with putting rousey in i have no problem with pushing her to the moon none of those things bother me now do i think it's going to be a success and i guess i'll pose that same question to you i don't think it's a lock I don't think it's a lock at all. I think another area where we happen to agree is I didn't think her performance on Sunday night was particularly good. I'll let you talk about that first. Yeah, I, uh, man, I the the whole look and feel of her debut was just it was too. I, I don't want her to be a happy go lucky. I don't want her to be. I'm just aw shucks. I'm just glad to be here. How's it going, Stephanie? I'm here. Point at the sign. Like to me, all the optics were wrong. For it. And I don't know if if that's sort of them wanting that character to be sort of lull you into it where she's a good happy-go-lucky, I'm just happy to be your person, and then she kind of becomes sort of the killer once the match starts or, or as the feuds start building up and they wanted to sort of make that first moment her smiling and being happy. Or there's there's the other issue too, where maybe she's not that good of an actor, and maybe you know she comes out here and and she can't hold a straight face, and she's got this sort of I'm playing pro wrestler thing, or ah this is fun now I'm doing the wrestling thing approach but i just didn't the optics were all wrong she comes out she's smiling you, you know she's she's walking down she's you know kind of looking at the crowd and and and, and kind of glad handing with everybody i don't know if that i necessarily wanted that i kind of wanted the oh my god i'm here now be ready for me like look out i'm here type of thing where and they didn't do that they did the oh shucks i'm glad to be here you know sort of weird half smile thing that she was doing I, again, I don't know if that's by design or if that's just her not being able to portray a wrestler that much. If it's her not being able I, to really get into the character. And that's that could be a real issue because we sort of take it for granted how easy it is to just buy into your character and buy into this wrestling thing. When you bring somebody for, who's not from this world and she's you know getting into this world, but it's not that easy not just to go out there and kind of smile and laugh at how ridiculous this whole world is. And it could be a thing where you know if she's a little nervous out there, it's, it's it, it comes across as her sort of being nervously smiling or whatever, or I, I don't know. I don't know what it was exactly, but yeah, I, I, I don't know that it was by design. I think a lot of it was just her not quite being able to portray whatever character it is, but I don't know what character they want out of her right now. And that's going to be the thing that'll be interesting to see. I just talked about perception is reality, right? Well, this is the other side of that. Here's the rub when it comes to Ronda Rousey. I thought her performance was, was horrible. And I don't know if it was a directive for her to behave that way. Too much smiling, too much. I can't believe I'm here. Too much where she seemed awestruck. I thought she looked frumpy. I didn't think she looked tough. I didn't think she looked menacing. 
I want the Ronda Rousey who showed up to UFC weigh-ins and looked like she was going to eat the other person's heart out of their chest. That's who I wanted in that spot. I wanted Ronda Rousey to mean mug and get in Asuka's face. And when Asuka slapped that hand away to get right nose to nose with her and have to be pulled away and separated, I wanted her to look at Charlotte and be mumbling shit to her. I wanted her to look down at, at, at Alexa Bliss and just disregard her like she's nothing. Give me some, give me, give me something to sink my teeth into. She's out there smiling and acting like she's just so happy to be there. And she's wearing clothes that don't fit. And look, I understand it was Roddy Piper's jacket and it meant something to her. And she's always been, you know, heavily influenced by this huge Roddy Piper fan. And, you know, uh, she's close to the family and, and, and I get all that. And that's always been a big part of her MMA persona as well. So that's kind of a nice, but, but the whole combination of everything, I could have gotten past her frumpy look if she had fucking seemed menacing in the ring. I mean, she just looked like a fan. Um, she didn't look like a star is what I'm getting at. And she didn't come off like she was tough at all. If you live under a rock and you didn't know who Ronda Rousey was, you wouldn't have thought that this person was anything special. Not from a star perspective and not from a physical perspective and not from a, uh, a tough perspective. And perception is reality in that here, I'll give you great. There have been so many MMA fighters to come into pro wrestling over the years. Um, and some of them just do not convey toughness. Uh, and others who were shitty fighters, like Katsuyori Shibata, terrible mixed martial arts fighter. Rich, do you buy that he's the toughest motherfucker on the planet? When oh, he's yeah. into the oh absolutely. Okay. Brock Lesnar, 500 fighter. Maybe not a great example because he was just so physically uh, – let's leave Brock out of it because at one point he was just so physically dominant. And, and, and it, it, let's leave him out. But here's a, you know what? Here's a perfect example for you. Who comes off more menacing in the pro wrestling environment? Ronda Rousey on Sunday – or Shayna Baszler. Yeah, in I was going to say, yeah, but you don't have to look far for an example. Somebody that looked like she was going to fucking you, kill you, uh, you know, in a few minutes. And that, that's Shayna Baszler. Yeah. yeah Shayna Baszler. And I know you know nothing about fighting, but Shayna Baszler was not a great fighter at all. A very average fighter. I think she's like one in six all time UFC. Uh, I, I'm not even sure she has one win. She might be winless all time UFC. I'd have to look it up, but she's definitely has a terrible UFC record. Couldn't fight at the highest level. Okay. Ronda Rousey, much better fighter than Shayna Bit. But who comes off more menacing in a pro wrestling environment? Perception is reality here. Okay. Ken Shamrock was a guy who was a great fighter who came off like a fucking killer in pro wrestling. He was able to do both. Dan Severn, great fighter for his time. He looks like your fucking dad in pro wrestling. He doesn't look tough in pro wrestling, but I bet you he could stretch anybody. Uh, yeah, you know, when he came to WWE in 1998, but did he look like he could? No. You know? Uh, who, who looked like they would fucking who? Who would you rather fight in a dark alley, pro wrestler Dan Severn or pro wrestler Ken Shamrock? You're gonna fight Dan Severn. No one's gonna pick pro wrestler Ken Shamrock. He looks like he's gonna fucking beat you to death. So perception is reality here. <laughs> Ken Severn, uh, he used to wear like the dad sweaters. <laughs> like, yeah, he'd, yeah, he'd wear like the. the he he looks like your uncle that like works out or whatever. Like you know, your uncle that yeah. he's got a, a tight handshake or whatever. But like he's kind of just a pussy. You know, he's got I mean? his little you mustache know? and his quaff yeah. haircut. You know, what I mean? he didn't look tough, but he was a great fighter for his time. And and it, it, she just did not come off menacing whatsoever. Um, I don't think from that perspective it was a good debut. Now, look, I don't think it's a killer or anything like that. Um, you know, if she, next time she makes an appearance, if we get that way in Ronda Rousey that I'm talking about or that fight night Ronda Rousey 
where when she was marching to the ring, it was like, she's going to fucking kill somebody. Yeah, no, and you know what? Honestly, we saw it in a wrestling ring, too. It's not like she's incapable of doing it. And we saw it at the WrestleMania a few years ago. I mean, that yes. was sort of, uh, you know, it was a little bit of joking back and forth. But she had a serious face almost the entire time of like, no, 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 don't you don't fuck with me or whatever. Whereas this, I don't know. I don't know. What, there was just a weird optics about this one. I don't want the I'm just happy to be here. I want the you should be happy I'm here. Ronda Rousey. Yeah, and, and it, it, it may be a case of she will not be capable of conveying herself like that yeah. in a worked environment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She might be one of those people who need the legitimate motivations to come off that way. And and, and again, like you said, and and there's other people who uh, probably couldn't you know win a legitimate fight if they fucking look at Nick Gage. I have no idea if that man. Uh, you know, it, 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 you know, would win a bar fight against anybody, but does he come off like he could? I mean, absolutely. You know, we talk about it all the time. So it's like, you know, some people can convey that they're tough in a worked environment, and others can't. And that's my concern with her. Can she come across as that killer, as that pit bull that she did in MMA in a worked environment? I don't know the answer to that. If she can't, this is not going to work to the level that they think it's going to work. I just, I just don't think it will. Uh, so I don't think as much as I'm on board with pushing her to the moon and going with this, because you have to. I mean, what you're talking about here is aside from Floyd Mayweather Jr. and Conor McGregor, she's the biggest pay-per-view draw in the world over the last, what, half decade. You have to give it a shot. So I don't blame them for bringing her on and giving her and, and pushing her to the But I, I certainly don't think it's a lock that it's going to work. Yeah, and that's going to be the issue is because you're obviously paying a lot of money for this. You're investing a lot, and you really want this to to, to be a big deal. And and you know they're going to be invested in it being a big deal. You know, not only financially but time as well. I mean, they've been training the hell out of her. She's been training a lot, so she's wholly committed. And that's I think one of the big deals that that I think. And you sort of alluded to it at the beginning as well is that if she's just dropping in and parachuting in for two months, then going to do a movie or whatever, then yeah, then there's some. But but she's here. I mean, you know what I mean? Like people are sort of arguing with the full time status because it was reported as full time. And and no, I don't think she's going to be working. You know, house shows in Des Moines, Iowa, or whatever. You know, SmackDown house shows or you know doing dark matches and stuff like that. But I think full time essentially just says that she's there. I mean, that, that she's committed one way or another. Yeah. And I think that's the important thing that I look at. You know, and and, and you know, necessarily, I don't really want her to be on every single show. I, I think that's one Thank of the you. detriments. That's one of the detriments to all of Dota B is, is that everybody yes. is on every single show. I I love that Brock Lesnar only shows up a few times. I love that you know guys drop in. I, I this new John Cena thing. I mean, if he was a little bit better, it'd probably be you, you know I'd, I'd like it a little bit more. But I like the idea that you know, hey, John Cena goes away for a few months. That's cool. Yep. He comes back, it feels fresh. It feels new. Roman Reigns. I mean, he has benefited a lot by those like you know for for better for worse some of the times when he's went away. But uh, they've really helped him in a lot of times. It's like all right, cool. We can put kind of a new fresh coat of paint on him after a few months. I mean, how. You know, there's guys like Dolph Ziggler's or whatever. And of course, he's a bad example because he just went away for a little while and came back and nobody cared anymore. But he was a guy for like eight years was on your TV every single night. And it was like, I don't care about Dolph Ziggler anymore. I don't give a shit about this guy. I don't get because if you see these people all the time, eventually they they cease to become special. And that's, that's right. something right. that they've really lost in this company is that nobody is special. And that's partially by design. But a few people have maintained that specialness. And, and, and Brock is one of them. And I believe Ronda's going to be one of them. And I'm fine with that. I'm okay that she's not on the road every single time. And I get that, like, oh, that's not fair because Sasha's on the road all the time and Bailey's on the road all the time or whatever. Well, oh, come well, on. What, what does fair mean? No, I mean, I, come I, on. Well, then be a mega, be, be a star worthy of the front page of ESPN.com and then you cannot right. show up on a SmackDown House show. But yes, Ronda, exactly. you know, it, like, that, I mean, uh, you know, the long and short of it becomes so big of a star that you don't have to. 
I mean, The Rock eventually got to a point where he didn't need to be showing up at, at every random show ever. Get to that point, and you're allowed to do that. You know what I mean? So to me, I don't. Listen, I want. I I would love a WWE where you don't see guys for weeks on a time. Yes, I would love and, that. And and, and and like you said, that's a big reason why Brock Lesnar has been able to retain his aura. That's yeah. part of the reason is that because he's not there every week. When Brock Lesnar shows up, it's because it's important, and all eyes are on Brock Lesnar, and that's helped him retain his aura. And like you said. Um, you know, I don't want to hear about not fair. No, bullshit. It's fair. Okay. I, I would have no problem with her having the Brock schedule. Um, as long as she's committed and she works hard because Brock Lesnar works hard. We talk about that all the time. If Brock Lesnar was showing up and mailing it in and I, then I'd have a problem with it, but he shows up, he works hard, he gets people over. Um, you know, he does, he does what he's asked at minimum. Um, you know, and when someone beats him, they're going to get over by beating him because he comes in and, and does what he's asked and he works hard. Um, and yeah, yeah, like you said, you know, I, you know, I don't want to hear about, oh, this isn't fair to Charlotte or Sasha Banks. If they were the level of star that Brock Lesnar or Ronda Rousey are, they'd get that schedule too. You know, they'd get that John Cena schedule if they were a, a level of star, uh, you know, a level star John Cena. You know, if, uh, you know, if you're Hiroshi Tanahashi, you can fake an injury every spring and disappear for two months. I mean, that's just the way it works, you know, because he's fucking Hiroshi motherfucking Tanahashi. Okay, he's not he's not fucking Yohei Komatsu. He's he's a Roshi Tanahashi. Okay, he doesn't want to work fucking road two shows. He shouldn't have to. And it is fair. I don't want to hear about not fair. That's I'm sorry. That's fair. That's how life works. Okay, stars get treated like stars. It's just the way it is. This is an entertainment business. Okay, this isn't you clocking in in the morning and going to your cubicle and you're mad because the person in the cubicle next to you gets more sick days than you, even though you've worked there longer than them. That wouldn't be fair. But you're not in the entertainment business. This is the entertainment business. This is a star business. So I don't want to hear about unfair. Absolutely not. Enough of that shit. More brutal facts. Brutal fact number three. Uh, <laughs> you're not a star, and neither is Nancy in accounting down at your job. Okay, I'm sorry. It's just a, it's two totally different worlds. All right. Anything else? Uh, I guess. Do you, how do you want to do the rumble here? Because there's a few other things I think we need to touch on with this entire show. Do you want to quickly just kind of run down the show? Yeah. So I guess the men's rumble deserves a little bit of time. Let me ask you this. I'll frame it this way. Yeah, Shinsuke Nakamura, your winner. Uh, number one, uh, do you have a problem with Shinsuke Nakamura winning the match? That's number one. Okay. Uh, no, I don't. I thought that was a pretty good move by them. And I, I, it was a move that I sort of thought about is, hey, you can have a guy from SmackDown. Reigns can just get that title shot no matter what. Elevate some guy from SmackDown. You know, some guy like a Shinsuke Nakamura needs it more. And I thought it was a big moment for him. And it felt good to finally see Nakamura a little bit motivated and 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 getting a big time spot in, in a lot of ways. So I hope it starts because I'm, I'm rooting for Nakamura. He's the guy I don't want to have fail. And and before a few months ago, I, you know, I thought he was a failure in WWE. And, and really, I'm totally justified in thinking that. I mean, he's been a complete and utter failure. I thought this has been fun to see. It, it, it was a big time moment for him. The crowd was obviously behind him. You know, he seemed pretty hyped up. The match was, I mean, Cena and Reigns were there to put Nakamura over and make Nakamura look like a million bucks, and they did when it was all said and done. So I give all the credit to the world for them going that. Now the follow-up is what's going to be important. Does he just go to WrestleMania and lose in 10 minutes? Does he look like shit on the way there? That's going to be what it is. I hope this is a new corner, and we kind of let that, whatever the hell the past year was with Nakamura, we kind of throw that off to the side, and we now embrace whatever this is, this sort of the new chapter of Nakamura. I hope this is the jump-off point. I have no idea, but I have fingers crossed that it is. So number two, you're okay with Nakamura Styles as the 
SmackDown title match at WrestleMania. I'm not going to say main event because whatever Shane McMahon's doing is going to be the main event. <laughs> but you're okay with that being the SmackDown title match? Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the best spot for both those guys, too. I mean, Styles, is, I, you, of course, want to put him in a situation where he can have a great match. And, of course, you want to put Nakamura in a, in a situation where he sort of excels as well. And and this is, I mean, if you can't, if you can't recreate something out of Nakamura and Styles, then you know Nakamura's toast. You know what I mean? Like if if, if yeah. WrestleMania comes and he gets fucking nothing with and does nothing and the match sucks or whatever, then okay, it's not Styles because Styles has you know a two year resume now of putting together great stuff. Then it's on Nakamura and it's like, all right, look, now we have to look this guy in the face and go, what what is what is the future of Nakamura? I mean, what is he in this company right now if he can't do something great with Styles? So I think this is this is a you know let's put he's gotten everything now this is building up the next few months are all about nakamura getting to this point and having a kick-ass great big time match with styles at wrestlemania and if it fails you know then there's some real you know some more hard facts that you know we need to go over or whatever but i mean it, it's putting him in a position to succeed and and, and let's hope he does it, realistically it'll be the third fourth or fifth biggest match on the show realistically i mean we just talked about real main events and quote-unquote going on last um which is what i think a lot of these women's main events are just kind of going on last uh, as opposed to being the real main events. And I, I know they're trying and I'll give them credit for that. And that's fine. Um, you know, I think, uh, but, but, you know, in the same thing here, like AJ Nakamura, it'll be billed as the SmackDown main event. And realistically, it might be like the fifth most important match on the show. Sure. Because, right. You know, um, so, and, and they might be in a position just to go out there and have a great match, which is fine. Um, so you didn't have to have, he came down to Nakamura and Roman. You didn't have to have Roman win this match. You can get to Roman Brock in another way, which is obviously going to be elimination chamber. Uh, so that's fine. I kind of wanted them to troll Philly again and have Roman win the rumble in Philly, just like he did in 2015. And I wanted to see garbage thrown in the ring because they hated Roman Reigns in this match, but that made for a good atmosphere in my opinion, because you had the guy that everybody wanted to win in Nakamura and it came down to, well, really, it came down to Nakamura and Balor, who the who the hardcore Philly fans liked as well, and John Cena, who uh, they playfully boo, and Roman Reigns, who they legitimately boo because they can't fucking stand him. So that to me, that was a fun dynamic at the end, and uh, it made for good atmosphere because they booed everything Roman Reigns did in the closing stretch of that match, and they cheered wildly for everything that Nakamura did. But you don't need Roman to win. But do you think? Let me ask you this. Having it come down to Roman and Nakamura, was that the best way to, to kind of have Nakamura shine? Because Roman was the number, was the easily the most hated men of the 30 men in the match. So Nakamura was guaranteed a great response. Yeah, no, I think it was absolutely the right call. I mean, even against a guy like Asina, it would have lost a little bit because there's, there's sort of enough of the crowd that, that kind of playfully. But this was generally like we hate Reigns and we want Nakamura to win. And, and it came across that way. And that's a big reason why it was sort of my unheralded story uh, that we talked about at the top is that this was one of those Royal Rumbles and it had been a rare Royal Rumble in, in the past few years where the crowd was 100% invested in someone to win and that guy won or whatever. So it made it a really fun party atmosphere. It was like, we want this guy to win and he won and that was awesome. And it, and it came across. I mean, the crowd was hot for it and it was the hottest Nakamura has been in this company. God, since hell, the, the Sami Zayn match, I mean, it's debut at the company. So I think that's, you know, I, I think, yeah, 100% success and 100% the right call. Uh, to have him go against Roman Reigns. I so think it would not have worked against everybody else. If he beats yeah. Randy Orton, it's not the same. If he beats John Cena, it even loses a little bit. I thought it was perfect. You got the, yeah. the hated guy in Reigns and the guy that everybody could rally behind in Nakamura. So now you, you know, you've created him and, and sort of put him on this pedestal. And now it's just a, a matter of if it carries over to other crowds and, and carries over for the next few months. 
we've gotten to a point in this company where they not only now concede that Roman Reigns is never going to be the superhero universally loved babyface that they wanted him to be, but now they're putting him in positions to get other people over because they just accept that people hate him. And you know what? I think that's a good sign. That's a good sign for the company that they've come to grips with this. And they're just like, you know what? Fuck it. People are going to react the way they're going to react to him. We may as well use it to our advantage. So I think that's a good thing. I guess other notes from the Rumble match itself. We should mention that Rey Mysterio was a big surprise. He looked great. uh, He looked great. I mean, it's amazing what happens when you don't have 75 pounds of excess muscle on your body. But he looked great. I mean, no knee braces. He was spry. He looked in in great shape. So uh, good for him. We're obviously going to talk about this guy a lot coming up, but uh, Andrade Cien Almas was a surprise in the match, and they booked him very strong. Um, he only had one elimination, but he lasted forever. Uh, who else we have? Adam Cole showed up with his ribs taped up. That was a surprise. Uh, the Hurricane was another surprise. Comedy spot. I have no problem with doing a comedy spot or two in this match. Um, yeah, that's about it. I guess Jinder, I don't Jinder have- Mahal had his first ever Royal Rumble, despite the fact that he had been in, in <laughs> I think, one or maybe two uh, Royal Rumbles uh, already. But hey, you it know, was his, yeah, it was, it's it, never so too Cole late to make your Rumble debut. I mean, you can be in multiple Rumbles and still make your debut. So good for him. I mean, that's that's impressive. So is I guess he is so a different cool. human being than he used to be. So I guess that that does count in some ways. That's true. You look that up. That's true. He That's false. Uh, yeah, no, he, he has been in, I believe, the 2012 Royal Rumble, and I maybe the 2013, but I have to check. But 100% was in the 2012 Royal Rumble, so not his first Royal Rumble. And, and Michael Cole made it a point. To point <laughs> right, out that's that what I mean. It wasn't just like, first Royal Rumble, oh, wait, no, sorry. It was just like, this is his first Royal Rumble, his Royal Rumble debut. Like, just don't say it. Not only that, he said, I did research. He said <laughs> that's those <what> words. <laughs> right. No, you're right. He was in two of them. He was in 2012 and 2013. Okay. I knew for a fact he was in the 12 because f- I'd watched that one enough. <laughs> what is Michael Cole? I mean, he's 150 pounds heavier, so that's possible that, you know, Michael Cole just didn't remember. I, I don't know. I have no clue. Yeah, three count. Well, not three count. Um, <laughs> three. Close. The three man band. Yeah. The, <laughs> I got Hurricane. Hurricane. Now, now, yeah. Now I have the idea of Jinder Mahal, Hurricane, and then. Uh, I guess who would Evan, you carry Evan over? Courageous. Would you carry Evan Courageous or Shannon Moore over? Who would you carry over into the new three count with Jinder Mahal? Well, I wouldn't put Jinder Mahal in the new three count. For <laughs> well, I would. I mean, you already did, so too late. I'm bringing but Courageous yeah. in there. How about an easy payday for Bollywood number two, who just stepped out onto the stage, presented uh, <laughs> Jinder Mahal to the fans, and and then just went backstage? I mean, they they flew that guy in for that. They really needed to do that because Bollywood number one uh, has the torn ACL. Right. So Bollywood number two, they actually brought him to the show <laughs> to just step out onto the stage for three seconds. That is the easiest payday in the history. That's not of bad. Yeah. You get to go to catering, get to hang out with everybody, get a nice flight, you know? Yeah. Okay. And yeah. with the other guy injured, you really had a good excuse to leave the other guy home. <laughs> right. But so, I guess, you know, so, you know, good for him. But uh, as far as the two Rumble matches themselves, I'm not as high on them as you seem to be. I'm not as high on them as other people are. Um, I don't rate Battle Royals because I think it's impossible to do so. Oh, yeah. No, I don't either. It's um, so hard. I thought they were okay. I don't know. I didn't think they were. They were fun. I will say that. Both matches were fun. I thought all of the old uh, surprise divas coming back, and there were like 11 of them or something. I mean, it was a lot of fun to see. And they all looked great. Every single one of them looked great. Physically and performance-wise, I thought they were all great. I mean, I know Kelly Kelly, you know, 
uh, boy, did Michelle McCool help her out on that, you know, head oh, spot. God, yeah, Kelly, um, Kelly, uh, yeah, Kelly could. Uh, yeah, but Kelly but, was never any good. And, no, I mean, yeah, and and yeah, she was going to be bad no matter what. And you know, Michelle McCool, you're like, oh shit, she should come back. She won me money. <laughs> so we had we did a blind draw for this one. And what we always do for for the the, the draw is we do obviously the winner, you know, wins a bit of the pot, but we also do most eliminations. Um, I think the longest time in the match and, and, and something else we usually do. I got Michelle McCool and I was just like, ah, whatever, you know, that's kind of whatever. I, I put my number away. I'm just not even paying attention. She starts tossing people out left and right. She tosses out DeVille, tosses out Molly Holly, tosses out Lana. And I'm like, holy shit. When it all is said and done, I was like, I think Michelle McCool had the most eliminations. And everybody was like, no, 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 there's no way it had to be someone else. And fuck, it was Michelle McCool had the most eliminations in this match. One more than Nia Jax. It's incredible. Yes. Yes, she did. Um, when you want to say something is elite, I always do this backwards. Do you say something's in the 99 percentile or the 1 percentile? Like uh, I think you want the one. Say it's well, mm. See, I'm I mean, always confused about I'm pretty that. sure you want the 1 percentile, but I, uh, yeah. Uh, don't quote me on that because I'm an idiot. So. The two battle, these two Royal Rumbles, I, I don't think they were great matches or anything. I don't even think they were great, but I don't think they were bad either. I thought they were both fun, which is important. There have been boring Royal Rumbles before. Um, I think they were top 60% rumbles, I guess. I wasn't crazy about them like others were. I've seen better Royal Rumbles than these. Um, but they weren't bad either. Yeah, and they I think were- that's one one thing that if you go back and watch a lot of these Royal Rumbles, you realize a lot of them suck. Like, even though you love yeah. the nostalgia of some of these, a lot that's of them right. are really bad and, like, really boring and nothing happens or whatever. So, yeah, I think, like, I think you're 100% right. I mean, I liked them a little bit more than you, but I think anybody can agree that's that top 60% or whatever you want to say, the top, far and away, the top half of Royal Rumbles of all time. I mean, definitely for those. But uh, I did, I, I like the men's a lot. I, I thought there was a lot of cool little stuff in there, uh, cool little stories. I liked, you know, they had some of the, the, I think they've been good about lately with the Royal Rumble is sort of when they're when they've been on these recent Rumbles. They've always had a, a you know a fun a, you know a little bit of comedy, but not enough where it kind of overshadows the match. And I thought this year uh, the Heath Slater thing was kind of cool, where like he's just sitting on the apron or, or sitting on the floor, and every time guys run down, they just kind of kick him or slice him off to the side or kind of push him off or whatever. Oh, that was kind of cool. But then he goes in and gets the elimination on Sheamus. So I thought there was just little fun things to kind of sink your teeth into at all points. And the best part about me, uh, the, the thing that I love about Royal Rumbles is when there are little micro moments and you kind of break the down mat, uh, the, break the match down into these different separate, you know, okay, well this, you know, the, uh, the first half of the match was this guy. Then the middle was this guy. And then there was yeah. this. So I, I kind of like that. And I thought this match had that definitely. I mean, the, the, the beginning of the match was nothing like the end of the match. I mean, you can tell the story where your flair kind of stays in forever, but it's all, always good to have other things happen throughout that and like yeah no this wasn't the 92 rumble and nothing will ever be the 92 rumble and there might have been a few others that were better but i thought you know all in all like you're saying the top 50 percent, no doubt and and i put it probably even higher than that and I, I really did enjoy those and the women's one i mean credit to them we were we were kind of we we're pessimistic on what it was going to be like and how it was going to be but i thought everybody could brought their a game i thought even the you know again like you said other than like kelly kelly Really, nobody else looked terrible. I think everybody, they, they sort of understood what their limitations were and played that up. I mean, Lana didn't look ridiculous. It wasn't like these people, Tamina, they got her out you know, in, in enough time. They, I think they booked it perfectly to have the people that were good and the people that are, are, are solid. They stayed in there, and they were big parts of the match. And the ones that weren't good or, or, or just you know, are awkward or whatever, they were kind of in and out you know, pretty quickly, or you just didn't really notice them. There wasn't any focus on them. So I thought they did a great job of booking that Women's Royal Rumble, too, and made it just... Real, I mean, because this really could have been a disaster, like we said, pessimistically. But yeah, it, it was pretty good. I mean, it was pr- way better than I think it that that either of us thought it was going to be. I think way better than a lot of people thought it was going to be. 
I'll agree with that. I, I thought there was a chance it could be a disaster, and it wasn't. It was fine. There was there was very few contrived eliminations to um, get around, um, you know, um, you know, shitty wrestlers and things like that. There was there was very little of that, and and I, I, I it came off way better than uh, than I thought it would. So I, I will I will agree to that. Uh, as for the rest of the card, AJ Styles and Sami Zayn. Uh, really made something out of nothing in that handicap match, which I thought was going to be awful. Kevin Owens working hurt, and then uh, Styles and Zayn uh, just working their asses off. That may have been the best match on the show, and I and I really wasn't looking forward to it at all. Um, so there was that. Do you have any thoughts on that or no? Just, uh, see, I just I hated the idea there was the handicap match, and I think they worked too. their asses off to make it good, but I think I was never invested in it because of the, yeah. of the stipulation. So that sort of played into it for me. I wanted to enjoy it a little bit more than I did, and it just, I, I just couldn't get into it, I just, <laughs> which is insane given it's Styles, Owens, and Zayn, and I think they did a great job, but I just was never emotionally invested in any part of the match whatsoever so it, with that being said and it, it just it, it didn't attach I, I just had no attachment to the match and i was just kind of ready for it to be over so it kind of sucks because i know they busted their ass and i know they did as well as they could have in a handicap format i just was never going to get emotionally invested in it one way or another uh the usos and and uh, gable and benjamin what i liked about this is what it was two straight falls yeah because i i like that you're keeping the fans honest um everyone's waiting around for the 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 team that lost the first fall to win the second fall. And they didn't do this. Uh, the Usos got a quick fall in the second fall and put the match away. I love that because you know me, I love non-traditional match structures, do something different, be creative. And this was, yeah, it had you so shook and it had us so shook that we, you know, everybody that I was watching with thought it was a botch. Like we were like, well, what the, whoa, whoa, hold on, what happened here? Like, did someone fuck up? And we, we had to sort of watch the replays to go, okay, no, that's what they wanted to do. But it, like, they've trained us so much to, to just know, oh, wait, no, there was no way that it would just happen like that. And it was just like, we were stunned. We were shocked that they would actually just do the two straight falls. And it's just like, oh, and now the Usos look great. I mean, it's like, all right, cool. They won. And- yeah, the Usos look great. And yeah. it's Gable and Benjamin. Who cares? Right, exactly. And it's just like, oh, you can do that. You can just have a team get over. And you just yeah, have guys win. It's just like, oh, you know. It, I it, nothing, it, we I were shook. Again. We were, like, absolutely shook. They, like, did the right thing. And it had us just confused and weird. Yeah, and I mean, I have nothing against Gable and Benjamin. I like no, both of but, them. But it's just but, a challenger team of the month. Right, so who cares? What's yeah. the difference? Uh, okay, now the other tag team match I fucking couldn't stand. This was my least favorite match of the oh, entire God. weekend. <laughs> four so shows. Four shows. This was my least favorite match of the entire weekend. The bar over Jordan and Rollins. Uh, they did the stupid concussion thing with Jordan because obviously he would, like like Owens, he was legitimately hurt. And this is how they got around it. I understand there were circumstances, but I had, I, I fucking, this was shit. Well, you know, what's funny is he's still like legitimately hurt and like very hurt. Wait, just take the fucking titles off him. It's Jason Jordan. Like let him go home and rest. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I guess this was a decent way to get around it. I, no, he's you still, know. I guess. Look, and look, they put it on after the men's rumble. Cause they, they knew it was shit. Oh, they it's knew so it dope. wasn't going to yeah. get a reaction. You know? All right. So they did a title change. Look, this is the first time there's a whole history of tag team title changes in this company where one guy's hurt and they do this sort of thing. Um, uh, the rockers versus power and glory SummerSlam 90. I want to say mm-hmm. wasn't a title match, but there's a situation. One guy does an injury angle to start the match. It's two on one and right, it's essentially right, right. a squash. You have um, the British bulldogs when they lost tag team titles, Davey Boy, uh, dynamite kid, you know, with the injured back, you know, has to be carried to the ring and, and Davy boy wrestles by himself, loses the title. So we've seen this sort of thing before. I don't have a major problem with it, but doesn't mean I have to like it. 
okay, this stunk. And on top of it, I can't stand Jason Jordan or the Jason Jordan character. I want this story to play out already because to me, it's just cringe. I, I just don't like it. Uh, let's see. And then we had um, Lesnar over Strowman and Kane. I think I might be the high man on earth when it comes to this match. I don't think it was any kind of great match. I don't even think it was like a, a very good match, but I liked that it was kept short and it was brutal and it was violent and it kept me entertained. And for a match that I wasn't looking forward to at all, for it to keep me entertained is a win. Yeah, I, I hated it. I thought it sucked. So You couldn't stand <laughs> it. I mean, no, I couldn't stand it. I, I'm just so sick of Braun Strowman putting people through tables, lifting tables, and I, yeah. I just enough of it. I get it. You put somebody through a table. I get it. Those tables are there. I get it. There's announce tables, and you can put people through tables. It's fine. I've seen it. You've seen it once. You've seen a thousand. It's every fucking Braun Strowman match now. Every every match. Every, every listen, one. <laughs> can we can we go three straight WWE shows without an announcer table breaking at some no, point? No, I'm just I'm done with it. And when I saw that they were setting it up, I just said fuck this, and I just I was out at that point. It so doesn't I, I, mean I, anything. Anymore anymore because tables break on every raw every pay-per-view and every other smackdown an announcer table gets and the announcers scream and go nuts like it's this we see it it's not special at all no i know i I, and then the the thing that you sort of talked about in the build is that you have brunch drumming lifting semi-trucks or whatever and i'm supposed to care that he put somebody through a table (laughs) he just lifted a semi-truck they have lost me on Braun Strowman forever until they switch gears on his character. And he's going 10 minutes and loses a match? What the fuck? I don't care about Braun Strowman anymore because he's a, he's literally a monster. He's, he's among men. I mean, there's a bunch of men and he's a monster among them. Joe. Yeah. And his feats of strength on board. Uh, he's pulling down raw sets. He's flipping semis. It's, it's hokey bullshit. And all it makes me think as a viewer is if he's this strong and he's this much of a fucking force, why doesn't he just literally murder his opponents? Right. Why, why doesn't, doesn't he, he just... rip Brock Lesnar's face yes. off and just eat yes. him? And just kill... Why doesn't <laughs> right. he just kill Brock Lesnar? If he can flip a semi, why doesn't he just grab Brock Lesnar by the arm and rip his arm from his body? It, 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 I have what they have done with Braun Strowman is destroyed suspension of disbelief. So now I don't give a fuck about Braun Strowman. I just don't. And it sucks because I used to. He won me over. I was behind the guy, and now he's a cartoon character. Right. It was and awesome when he was no just using uh, the feats of strength to beat people. By How about he's just a big, a- strong guy who's, uh, who, who's hard to beat? What's wrong yeah. with that? I, he's not a monster. No, he's got a, you know, he's got a fucking you – know, Then he's great- a man, and he's not a man. He's a monster among men. So uh, I was a little disappointed, though. I, I, I wonder if someone got tipped off that they were saying the monster among men and the big red monster and, and, and devil's fear demon too much because we had a buddy over, it and I, I, I conned him into doing a drinking game for this match. And he was just like, all right, whatever. And I was like, anytime they say, yeah. And I was like, anytime they say Monster Among Men or Devil's Favorite Demon, those are all those guys, you know, uh, uh, nicknames or, you know, do you want to do a drink or whatever? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. And the match was over. And he was like, well, that wasn't very good. I'm like, I I know. Like on a Raw, they would say it a thousand times. And in this match, they didn't say it that much. I was kind of disappointed. In those 10 minutes, but uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. But I, really I, just thought match sucked. I, I just wasn't invested in it at all. I think they did an okay job and Brock looked great, but I just kind of wanted it to be over. And and I, I could you, I, I don't know how you could possibly care about Braun Strowman lifting a table onto somebody who, who fucking cares. I, you know? yeah, no, I just, I just like, so yeah, it, to me, I, I, I fucking hated it. So yep. I was glad it kept short though. 10 minutes is about the right time for it, but yeah, I, I, I just did not like yeah. it. So that's Royal Rumble. Uh, we'll move on to uh, NXT TakeOver. We'll do WWE, and then we'll do uh, move over to the New Japan. And we'll do the same thing here. Uh, the big story, obviously, 
coming out of NXT TakeOver is Almas and Gargano had one of the greatest matches of all time uh, in a lot of people's views, uh, or at least one of the greatest NXT matches of all time, at least maybe one of the greatest WWE matches of all time. That seems to be consensus among every review that I've seen. Uh, and we will talk in depth about that. Uh, but first, Rich, what was your um, – what gimmick are we doing here? The, the underhyped big or the thing. Underheights. The underhyped. underplayed story of the show. What's the underplayed well, story? Well, I think it's kind of interesting is because it, it relates to the main event. But uh, Tommaso Ciampa came back and <laughs> attacked Johnny Gargano. But you know what I mean? Like none of the talk was about that. It was all about how great the match was and how great and, – and rightfully so. I mean it's an all-time great match, but it's like – they just shot a huge storyline. I mean, nobody cared that Chapa came back, and it kind of sucks that it kind of got overshadowed by how great the main event was. And I think when it's all said and done, people will look back and and remember that that Chapa came out. But in the moment, people were freaking out over the match, and it was Chapa was was a secondary part of it. That you know the the idea that he came back and attacked. Gargano after the match was just a thing that happened after this great match, and that's kind of funny because it was meant to be such a bigger deal. And I don't, you know, I don't know if the, the design. We'll talk about that here in a little bit, but I, it really got overshadowed by just how great that match was, which sucks because it was a cool little storyline and a storyline that you know some of us saw coming and, and were really anticipating. But when it was all said and done, all the talk was about the match and how great the match was. Yeah, I agree. I um, the match was so good that I kind of forgot about him. Right, <laughs> you joined the club. I mean, a lot of people did. Yeah. I forgot. I was watching the match, so I watched it after a lot of you know. I watched it. I couldn't watch it the night of, so I watched it that morning. I turned it off after Gargano was kind of on the ramp with uh, uh, Candice LeRae, and I, w- I was going to do other things, and I went, "Oh shit! <laughs> I forgot that Chapa came back." So I went back to the NXT, and, and thankfully, you know, it had left off at that point, and then I watched the rest of it. But you know, Gargano was walking down to the ramp, and and the, the bug comes up, and I'm like, "Oh, all right, cool, great match," and I walked away. And I knew that he came back, and I knew that that angle happened. But for some reason, my brain was just like, all right, cool. We are satisfied. We got what we wanted. And I walked away, forgetting that, oh, yeah, duh, Ciampa comes back. And Ciampa attacks him. You think they're overplaying the 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 credit bug thing and then doing angles during – I mean, they've done it, what, at yeah. least four times now? Yeah, you can't do it every single time. Um, I mean, that's – yeah, it's been – it was cool when you did it, like, it was spread out years apart. But now, yeah, you can't do it. The first time was awesome, you know? It's almost like – do it once every four or five years, you know, try to hold back on it. Yeah. Well, it's like the, the um, movies, like after the credit movies thing where it's, yes. like, Oh, stay around after the credits. Cause we have some zany thing that you're going to see or whatever. I would like if, you know, some movies didn't have that. You know what I mean? Like now every movie you watch, no matter what it is, you have to stay for the credits. Cause afterwards they're going to do something zany or it used to be pretty cool. It was kind of this little Easter egg. Hey, you, you hang around for the credits. You might get something where now it's sort of expected or, you know, it, or you, it's just sort of, you know, and now it's going to be a thing where everyone's going to wait for that. And then if it doesn't happen, it's going to be this weird little, oh, okay. Just I think they've even done it on random NXT TV episodes. You know, not yeah, that I don't remember. To... Yeah, that I don't remember. I know I'm for a fact it, it obviously happened to take over Chicago. It happened at this one. And then I obviously at uh, NXT bra- left bracket, our right bracket evolution. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't recall. Was that Owen Zane? Yeah, that was Owen Zane. Yeah, I don't How remember. you remember the names of these shows. <laughs> It was left bracket, our right bracket evolution, right? That was during the era of NXT where everything had to have weird spelling with random capitalizations. uh, Yeah, which which I banged on on Twitter and the joke went over everybody's head and they were all correct. And actually, it was a rival as in rival. I'm like, I know. I'm just trying to make fun of the name (laughs) of the show. Actually, because there was rivalries, Joe. Yes. Thank you. I did not know. I am now um, am well aware of that. It was for rival Mr. Mr. Literal Rob McCarron <laughs> had to step in and correct me. Um, so anyway, yeah, my underhyped uh, 
under under I, I this is so awkwardly worded. I was I came up with this and I don't even know how to describe <laughs> it. Um <laughs> underplayed, underplayed, underhyped, underrated. My underplayed story of takeover, Rich, was uh inexperienced wrestlers uh put into challenging spots with mixed results. Um and it, it was the first three matches here. You had the authors of pain uh put in a position to have a traditional structured tag team match. And I thought they delivered tremendously. They did a great job. We had Shayna Baszler put in a position to really, I mean, just have a big time wrestling match for the first time in her life, uh, depending where you stand on the Mae Young Classic. And I I thought the match structure that they laid out for Shayna Baszler was perfect and hid every one of her deficiencies. Uh, Authors of Pain, they, they perform like a veteran team. Okay, uh, with a lot of help, and we'll get into that. Shayna Baszler, they did a great job hiding her deficiencies. And the third one was Velveteen Dream, who, you know, um, we're not known to say when we're right around here. That's really not what we do, Rich, on this show, is rub it in when we're correct. But I'm going to have to do so here. Last week, I warned people to maybe pump the brakes on the Velveteen Dream a little bit. 21 years old, 22 years old, whatever it is. Probably hasn't even wrestled 100 matches. Um, you know, he had great matches against uh, very experienced opponents, um, you know, recently. And I, but I did think people were a little too excited. And, you know, sometimes it's okay to give these young wrestlers a chance to breathe and not overhype them out of the gate. And this match against Cassius Ono was very disappointing. They had a key botch on a very ambitious spot where uh, Dream was supposed to catch Cassius Ono and give him the rolling DVD all in one smooth motion. I don't know whose idea that was, but it was a terrible idea. Um, yeah, that was it. never going to work. I mean, that that you really got to have to have like a ton of, especially a guy like Cassius Ono. I mean, if you want to do that with Tyler yeah. Bate, yeah, okay, that may. Yeah, I got you. But Jesus yeah. Christ, Ono is huge. Like, it's going to be very tough to catch Look, that they guy got overly as he's running. And yeah, it, it was a bad, bad move. Overly ambitious, and then I thought the match unraveled from there. Um, there was one point where Dream gave one of his finishes, and Ono like kicked out at one, but kicked out not in a fighting spirit way, but in like this lazy sort of kick out where both guys were clearly not on the same page. There was confusion after that. And keep in mind, this is one of the best wrestlers in the world as the other participant in the match, and it still fell apart and unraveled. I tried to tell people, look. I'm not saying that Velveteen Dream doesn't have all the potential in the world. He does. But he's not a great wrestler yet. He has great presence. He has delivered some great matches against great opponents. Okay? But he's got a long way to go. We have to remember, NXT, part of of what NXT is, is still developmental for a lot of these guys. Yeah, you got your 40-year-old veterans who are, you know, you know the, the, the Paul Vanity projects. We get it. But they're still developmental here. Guys like Authors of Pain, guys like the Velveteen Dream, girls like Shayna Baszler, they're developing. They're in developmental. And, you know, guys like Velveteen Dream, they're, they, they're green. He's green. And I'm not saying people shouldn't be excited, and I'm not trying to rain on people's parades. But even with a guy like Ono Rich, you can't say I didn't say it last week. You can't say I didn't. I said, even in there with Ono, and even with good recent history, there's a chance Dream doesn't deliver. 
because it, it, he, he's at that point in his career where there's a chance he might not deliver every time. And this got ugly. So, um, you know, I, I you know, it, it just let's, let's calm down a little on, on the Velveteen Dream praise. Now, Authors of Pain, I think they're ready. This is what I wanted to see from Authors of Pain. All What I wanted to see from them is work a traditional match structure and deliver. Uh, don't hide behind gimmicks. Don't hide, by, don't, don't hide behind three-way matches. Don't hide behind plunder. Go in there, tag in, tag out, have a two-versus-two tag team match, and deliver. And they did. Acom was great selling the leg. Uh, they, they, they looked credible. Their offense looked awesome. Now, they're not Red Dragon anymore, right? They're Undisputed Air. The Undisputed Air. Red Dragon. Red Dragon, for their part, were awesome. This was such an incredible performance by Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. I'm not going to call it a carry job because it wasn't. Because Authors of Pain were very good. But Red Dragon were just next level good. They were so much better than Authors of Pain. And again, I don't mean that as an insult to Authors of Pain. Because Authors of Pain were great in this match. But Red Dragon were fucking phenomenal. And you really saw the difference between awesome veteran wrestlers... And guys who are going to be awesome, but aren't quite there yet. Okay? They're very good. They deserve to be called up. And they finally got over the top with Joe Lanza in this match. Because they went out there and delivered in a traditional match structure like I wanted them to. And they didn't look good. Now look at great dance partners. Tremendous team in Red Dragon. One of the best tag teams of the decade, when you really think about it. Because they got together in 2013. Rich, we're in 2018. Yeah. Okay? These guys have been having great matches for five years. They're one of the best tag teams of the day. Fish and O'Reilly were bumping all over the place. Their offense looked good. The cutoff spots were tremendous. Holy shit. Rich, this was one of the best tag team performances I've seen in some time. Well, I was kind of surprised is is because I watched it again. Like I watched it the day after and and I was kind of going through our tweets and looking at everybody talking and all that sort of stuff. And I'm like, nobody's talking about this match. I fucking love this match. It was great. I loved it too. Yeah, I mean, Dave only went three and a half stars, and I was like, what? I, I, I thought it was I thought it was way better than that. So it was what I really loved about this. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I was I'm I'm four and a quarter for this one for definitely. That's where I um, am. Four and a quarter on this. What I loved about it is it sort of was a role reversal for a lot of these because the authors of pain were in a way kind of the baby face of this, this match. I mean, they they're selling. Baby. No, listen, right. And you the know what? Getting cut off let, me, let me just throw this but, in yeah, real quick. Ahead. And then I'm going to let you make your point because a lot of people were arguing with me when I said that, you know, this was a, this was like, uh, it's such an, it's such a, uh, classic match structure where you have, you know, uh, the, the larger baby faces, and the smaller heels, because then the, the smaller heels typically will work on a, on a limb, right? They'll try to chop the, the right, right. And people are saying, "Oh, there's a pain or heels." I, 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 did you start watching wrestling yesterday? <laughs> they were very clearly the baby faces right. in this build and in this match. You can be mean and 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 snarl and big and nasty and be baby faces. They were the baby faces in this match. Give me a fucking break. Well, I think people are just so 
I think we were so conditioned to be the big guys are your heels and especially in this company and especially in WWE that your big monster guys are your heels and the light, you know, guys, the guys that kind of run around the ring or whatever, those are the baby faces, but it's not 1988. You know what I mean? Like it's not the rockers versus, you know, uh, you know, power and glory or whatever it, it, it it's. So yeah, it, it was, you know, those guys were the, were the baby and they did a great job with that. I, that's, I never thought that they were capable of doing this. You know what I mean? Like this is not, I, I did not expect that Occam would be able to sell a leg as well as he did. And, 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 you know, I didn't know what the, the structure of the match was when I first started watching it. And I thought he legitimately got hurt for a while too. I was kind of trying to pinpoint, okay, what happened here? You know, because I thought he did such a great job and Razor did a great job and L Ring was, everybody was selling it. And then what was really awesome is that the, the, the Undisputed Era then, you know, I sort of knew that obviously it was work when they started working on it, but they did such a good job of like pouncing on it. And Bobby Fish is so good at that. And that goes, that goes back to his Ring of Honor days. That goes back to indie days. That goes back to when he was in New Japan. There's nobody better than... You know, if they realize that a body part's taken, that they sort of have this idea like, oh, shit, now I got to go after that. Bobby Fish is so good at that. I'm trying to remember a, new, a number of matches in New Japan where he did that. I think the Shibata one is one uh, where, you know, once he notices that there's a little bit of a weakness, he's got this, like, psycho thing that overcomes him. And he's like, I got to, you know, I'm, I'm going for it. Like, he's a fucking rabid animal knowing that, that he's got you, you know, you know, stuck in something. And, and that was really cool. So I thought I thought Fish and O'Reilly did an incredible job, as you said. But I think a lot of the credit, too, should go for the Austin's panel. I mean, these guys are still, in a lot of ways, green and still very much new to this the, 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 this you know the, new to the, the wrestling world i mean really i mean new to nxt and new to the wrestling world and they were able to have this sort of style of match and we wondered about that last week we said well they're good at the plunder they're good at ladder matches they're good when they're wrestling champa and gargano and they're good when they're against the revival and all that sort of stuff well this was you know obviously they're against a great team but a lot of this was them pulling their own weight and this was just a traditional classic tag match and they delivered and fish and o'reilly you know that speaks for themselves how great they are yeah, uh, look, I'm I'm not trying to take away from all those of pain because I, I I mean I think I've put them over here. I they finally got over the top of me, and because this is what the the last thing I needed to see from them, and they did it. And now I'm fully confident that they can deliver. And they're such babies; they're two years in. But when you have legitimate athletes and and guys with those kind of backgrounds that that are that are as athletic and big as these guys, you know, it, 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 these are these are classic like Jim Ross recruits. You know what I mean? Like, like you go out, you get the big athletes. That's what these guys are. But it, it, and 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 again, I'm not saying it's a carry job. I just think Red Dragon. This was one of the best tag team performances I've seen in some time. And we're going to talk about another one later in this show that was right up there too. Yeah, and I've been uh, kind of pessimistic on them in NXT because I really haven't quite loved a lot of what they've done. I oh, haven't really quite gotten the Undisputed Era thing. And this was like, oh yeah, Bobby Fish and Colorado fucking rock. It's like, thank God. Yes, yeah. they haven't lost all their their skills. They still are very good. And you almost got the sense that they knew they were in there with these two guys. Now let's make these guys. Yeah, right, right. You know, let's have a great match with these guys. Man, were they bumping like maniacs or what? I mean, watch that match again. Oh, dude, Kyle O'Reilly took some bumps that I was just like, Jesus Christ. I mean, he, Bobby O'Reilly was so good at looking just like, a, like he would get hit by something and then just take like this weird tumble. You know what I mean? Like this, this odd, like not necessarily a flat back bump, but like just fall on his shoulder a little bit weird or fall, you know, on his leg a little bit weird or in the corner in the trio. Whoa, he'd sort of hang for a second and then land on the back of his head or whatever. It was just this little thing. Like he looked like, Jesus, these guys are killing me. And it really, really portrayed that way. I thought fit, go back. And if you have a chance to watch this match, watch O'Reilly selling and watch the falls that he makes and the way he falls to the mat and the way he sort of takes different moves. It was, it, it was like, you guys are so much stronger than me and, and you're throwing me around and tossing me. And that's, that's exactly what it needed to be. It needed to be, I'm portraying that these guys are that much better and, and they're not that much better, but that much more strong. And, and I'm just, you know, 
I'm Kyle O'Reilly, you know, I'm half these guys' size. This is what it should look like if they're kicking my ass. But that, you know, in the end, the Undisputed Era was just smarter and a little bit craftier. But yeah, really go back and watch what Kyle O'Reilly was doing. I thought I really made a note of that, that he was just, he, he the way he was bumping just made them look like a million bucks. Yeah, it, it, this was a classic example of um, of a veteran team leading a young team through a great match. Um, you know, and, and that's what this was. But the young team holding up their own. So. Uh, Joe, this is pretty funny. I'm, I'm on the uh, Authors of Pain Wikipedia page. I was just trying to yeah. see about their uh, their sports history. Um, I want you to guess for me. Uh, PWI, the PWI 500. Uh, where did Occam go in the top 500 singles wrestlers in the PWI 500 uh, in 2017? I have no fucking clue. I mean, obviously, he didn't have a singles match to my knowledge. <laughs> but uh, apparently, he was 220. So he was 220 in the PWI 500. Right. Uh, where do you think Razor was in the PWI top 500? 222. 224. He was four spots away, you yes. fucking Razor. They always Figured do out. that. How could you possibly differentiate? This, like, this is a PWI. Like imagine thing. sitting down and being like, all right, Occam, 220. Razor, eh, four spots. 224. They've been doing this since the 90s, where they'll take <laughs> a tag team, which is indistinguishable, like the Usos, and they always put them like three spots apart or two <laughs> spots apart. Like, I've never noticed. Is it known yeah. that Occam is. Four notches better than Razor. Hell like, no! They just randomly pick one and put them in front. So I just love that. That's so. I'm more so interested. Why? So I would love to know who's in between. Yeah, let me let me try to fire that up while, while we talk. But yeah, so uh, a, a good example there. Now, uh, moving on to Velveteen Dream. Oh no, I want to expand on that a little bit. Uh, this, you know, I, people might say that I'm late. That you know, I got subtweeted a ton about the Authors of Pain because I tweeted before the match started, hey, look, this is an opportunity for the Authors of Pain to finally not hide behind gimmick matches and show what they can do in a, in a natural tag team setting. And I got subtweeted to death by a lot of people. And I may have been slow to come around on them. I, But when it comes to young wrestlers, I want them to show me before I put them over. Right. And, and I think you want to see them in a normal match, too. They I haven't did. Really I don't think those. They haven't been yeah. Is that too much to ask? I mean, give me a no, fucking break. No, but I the, love the, them, but I wanted to see them not in a title match and not with Gargano and Champa and, and the revival. And you know what I mean? Like those are great teams to and not to in a three-way stuff. and not in a yeah. plunder and not in and a not fucking, war games and, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. You know, but 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 the Velveteen Dream, you know, was the proof of why I like to be shown. Because then Velveteen Dream goes in there and they had a great start to the match with the I'm gonna knock out Cassius Ono in under 30 seconds. That was a great way to start the match. Uh, but then Dream ran out of ideas in the middle of the match. He has all of his great-looking signature moves, but he's a guy who runs out of ideas. And he ran out of ideas here, and he was just going to rest holds in weird spots. Then they had the botch, and then it completely unraveled. Yeah, like we're saying, and, and that's the thing when you have a guy that's 20 years old or 21 or whatever he is, yeah. and, and and you have Ono, who's you know obviously a veteran, but these guys, you know, and and it's it's one. I don't care that guys practice matches in the performance center. That doesn't bother me like it bothers some people. But here's the issue is when you do that and you're not really – you have never been given that platform to sort of think on your feet and, and and construct a match in the ring or whatever is that botch happens and they are – you could tell that the wheels are spinning in Velveteen Dream yes. and he has no fucking clue how to get it back on the rails and right. no one's doing what he can or whatever. But there was that weird – it sort of stopped and there's a moment where it's just like – and you know that Patrick Clark or Velveteen Dream or whatever is going, oh, fuck, what's next? What, what do we say? Forget – everything and you can tell that happens that happens with young wrestlers and that's why you know in in some ways you want to see these guys build a little bit is is there's moments like this that happens and he'll learn from this and he'll improve by this but yeah let's not call him the greatest of all time or one of the best ever you know right now or one of the best going right now until we see you know these things happen with these guys so they kind of have to work through it and stuff 
And for a super creative guy, he sure slaps on a lot of chin locks. Uh, I'm just going to leave that out there. Uh, but but yeah, that match was a disaster. Um, not See, I, didn't, I didn't hate it as much as you did, but I, that botch did did sort of take me out of it a little bit. It I don't think it was. Hard. Yeah, I don't think it was. It was as as bad as you thought. But um, it's a two star match. I mean, you know, it, it, it was it was a tale of two matches. The first half was the first half was great, and then yeah. it sort of yeah, it got long in the tooth and and really and, fell apart. There's just that weird. Spot. It wasn't even just a botch, like that. Oh no, kick out. I mean, it was just so weird. Like, yeah, the crowd didn't know really how to react either. And it's almost like Clark was like, <laughs> let's go to the finish here. And Ono was like, no, 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 no. And, and he just does that lazy kick out. And then they kind of both didn't know what to do. Yeah. And then he gave him the, the, the elbow drop. And it just, it, it just, uh, I don't know. It just, it was messy and it was sloppy and it, it just fell apart. All right. You ready for your PWI 500? Who was in between those two guys? All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to start uh, 217 because I think it's, it's relevant to do that. 217 Suwama at 217. Right. Uh, 218 Eric Rowan. Just uh, one spot behind Suwama. 219, Juice Robinson. You know, got okay. a pretty uh, a, a sub Eric Rowan year for Juice Robinson, of course. You know, even though. Oh, of course, you know, yeah. Right. <laughs> even though, you know, okay. Um, Occam was 220. Uh, following Occam at 221 was Hiroshi Tenzan. Mm. Uh, 222 was Kenny King. 223 was Kurt Hawkins. With no wins. <laughs> 23. With no Hawkins. wins. <sighs> 224 was Razor, and then 225 is Yoshitatsu. Yoshitatsu! <laughs> with, like, no wins. 226, Tyrus! <laughs> 226, Tyrus! Yeah. At some point, they just start throwing names on. <laughs> now they have no clue to do. Funny runs. <laughs> Tomiyaki Hanma was 232. He wrestled, like, what, two months? Two, so you months? get, like, Suwama, who's in the triple crown hunt. <laughs> That's what I mean. And he's ranked right near... Kurt Hawkins, who has no wins, and Yoshitatsu. Oh my God. Hold on, I cannot. I should have scrolled up a little bit. Two, two, one, four. Tokyo Monster Kahagas. Oh, ahead of all of them. One spot above the Mac at two fifteen. Oh my God. Two sixteen was our truth. What a run! Where is our truth? Was he hurt? I don't know. This this one, the, a lot of a lot of writers on our website, a lot of match of the year voters will love this one. Uh, two eleven. Was KM our good friend Kevin Matthews? Two one two. I know you'll like this one too. You you might enjoy this. Uh, two hundred twelve. Hideki Suzuki. Oh, behind KM. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny about that is KM might be the one wrestler I wouldn't put ahead of Hideki Suzuki. <laughs> That's what I mean. Yeah. In your in, your, yeah. in, in, in the Joe Lanza fifteen thousand, it would be yeah. It'd be you know four nine 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 Hideki Suzuki fifteen thousand KM. So. Yeah, yeah. So PWI was supposed to be kayfabe, but it's like Kurt Hawkins would never be ranked in the top five hundred. Right, he's two twenty three. Never, he didn't win a match. He's actively losing. He's he's going out to lose now. Yeah, you see, that's his new gimmick. His new gimmick is he just like lays on the mat and puts his leg up to get pinned. Oh well, yeah, I mean he knows. Say, <laughs> Ember Moon and Baszler. Mm. So to me, this was the third of those matches with young wrestlers putting. In interesting spots, or inexperienced wrestlers, rather, they really protected her here. I thought, you know, it was the match was totally built around all of her strengths. I think it was a great match or anything, but I thought it was an effective match. Um, you know, Baszler lost, but didn't come off looking poor at all, in my opinion. Um, she still, uh, you know, has they didn't kill her aura at all with the loss, even though I thought she should have won. Um, but I think you might have a slightly different take because I saw some comments you made. Uh, you think Moon got too much offense here? Yeah, 
I um I hated the structure of this match. Hated, hated, hated it because I thought it was too much. I, I, Ember, I didn't want Ember to get any offense. I don't think there is any end game to Ember looking like she's equal to Shayna Baszler. This is an opportunity. We said it last week. It was an opportunity to make a star in Baszler. And I think when it was all said and done, I don't think that Baszler was worse for the wear. Yeah. Like, I think she comes out still looking good. And they did the promo this weekend on NXT where she says, well, go check on Ember because Ember's hurt, obviously. So Baszler sort of saying, hey, maybe I didn't win the match, but go check on her. I ruined her arm and I, I you know, I, I did it. But still, I just thought it was just a great moment to have Baszler go out there and just take over the division, just be the top dog in that division right away. And I think that was the better story to tell. I, I just didn't like Ember. Get, I mean, Ember had a bunch of hope spots and a bunch of chances and then ended up catching Baszler. I just didn't like that. I wanted Baszler to just go out there and kill her. And that might have been me selfish. That might have been just kind of what I wanted to do and maybe not the right story. But I just don't see it in Ember Moon. And I just don't see a reason to kind of keep going on with Ember Moon as the champion or or keep going on that next step. I like the idea that Baszler would just come in here and just prove that she was better and that now she's the top dog of that division. So that's kind of what I wanted out of the match. And I didn't get that. I got a back and forth match where Baszler had the better looking offense and and looked like more of a killer. But I don't know if that's necessarily the design or it just was that the fact that Ember Moon's offense just kind of looks like shit all the time and she's not very good because I thought wow. that was was more evident wow that's I strong. don't think she's very good is she good I mean what am I missing with Ember I Moon? think I think I because I you know this would lead into my next question do you think we're just people who don't like Ember Moon because we always want her to lose we always think we did she should lose we're always in a hurry for her to either not win the title or lose the title um I think we just, for whatever reason, are just, we don't like Ember Moon because everyone else seems really to love her. Does the crowd really like her? I didn't think the crowd was very, the crowd was all yeah. in on Baszler. 100% in on Baszler. Yes, yeah. I mean, Baszler definitely comes off like a bigger star to well, And there you go. I mean, Ember um, doesn't grab, I mean, when you're going to be the baby, we're talking about NXT here. The yeah. baby faces in NXT, one of the the brands where they still sort of follow the the template in, in some ways. The fans sort of follow the template because the, the promotion gives you a reason to like these people, gives you a reason to say, hey, Johnny Gargano, you're not going to boo Johnny Gargano. You know what I mean? How you, if you're booing Johnny Gargano, everyone else is going to look at you like you're an asshole or you're just trying to be uh, you know, different. But there's no reason to boo Johnny Gargano. The character's perfect. He's a babyface. Almas is a heel. You might enjoy some of the antics of Almas, but at the end of the day, he's a heel and you're probably going to boo him. What does Ember Moon do to really grab you? What does Ember Moon do to make the crowd go, oh, well, we really want her to win? They don't want her to win. Philadelphia didn't want her to win. They wanted no. Baszler to go out there and kill yeah, her. And I think that's a. Te- I mean, in this company and this brand, if you're going to be the babyface champion and you have half the crowd actively wanting you to lose, of shit, more than half the crowd. I mean, most of the crowd wanted her to actively lose. I think that's a problem. And she doesn't grab people. She doesn't jump off the page. And I don't think that's just you and I saying that. Go look at the audience. I mean, look, even the NXT TVs. It's just kind of like everyone. Okay, like polite golf claps when she comes out. She doesn't hook people anyway. And she's better on paper than in practice. Right. You know, I, I, I mean, I, I don't mind her. I've seen some great matches from, from, you know, Ember Moon before, you know, before she even came in NXT. I've seen great matches. I've seen real bad matches. I think she's in oh, the yeah, middle yeah. ground right here in NXT. And I don't really want that out of my NXT women's division. Not when you have stars. Not when you have a Shayna Baszler who could be a big deal. And I thought she looked great in this match. I mean, regardless of whatever we're talking about, I thought Baszler looked like a killer. And she, you know, we, to sort of reference what we talked about with Ronda Rousey at the, at, at the beginning of the show, Baszler's one that's just nailing that gimmick nailing the character she comes out they do the mma entrance she's walking through the the backstage looks like she's just gonna fuck if you get in her way she's gonna rip your fucking head yeah. off you know what i mean she's walking with purpose comes out no nonsense gets in the ring and and fucks ember moon up 
but loses, you know, and 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 gives some offense. I didn't want any of that. I wanted her just to go in there, you know. Like I said, if you want to play around a little bit, but I wanted her to slap Ember Moon with, with whatever move it was going to be, that sleeper hold or whatever, and that's it for Ember. I didn't like the back and forth. They're doing every bad. they're doing everything right with Baszler. Yeah, um, you know, and I could hear the excitement in your voice. You're excited about Baszler because they're doing everything right with Baszler. Um, we just, I don't know. This show just doesn't like Ember Moon, but you're right. The crowds aren't exactly nuts about her either. I think some of it's the gimmick. Her gimmick stinks. It's a supernatural, dopey, contacts in the eyes. I mean, it's dumb. Um, I don't think that helps her. Um, you know, we talk about it all the time. Give good, you, know, just, you, good, you have a good reference there with the, with the contacts in the eyes and her being this sort of whatever the hell she's supposed to be. Is that it's not, it's not human. Yeah, and it's not human. And that's sort of what NXT is all about humans. Johnny Gargano is a guy you're rooting for. Mm-hmm. You're rooting for the man, Johnny Gargano. Shayna Baszler is you know an obviously yeah. an animated version of her but she's still at the end of the day Shayna Baszler you know former MMA fighter she's just a bad bitch right exactly yeah and that's I mean that's sort of what has always attracted people to to, to characters in NXT and Ember Moon's right. is sort of weird and even Aleister Black is a guy who's weird and, and, and demented but at the end of the day he's just a guy you know what I mean he's, he's a not, guy they don't portray him as in the head and fucking beat right him. they don't portray him as being some supernatural being or whatever whereas Ember right. Moon's like howling at the moon it's like what the fuck are you doing like, I so- feel like she should be challenging a, a Lundra Blaze in 1995 <laughs> right right you know like right or, or and like like you know coming out right after TL Hopper or, or fucking Adam Bomb it's goofy and I don't think it does her any favors. Um, it's not a huge departure from Athena, the goddess, or whatever. Sure. But she's like this creature now, though. It's like I, I, it's just I don't know. And and I agree. I do look. I've I talk about it every week, and I'm not going to do it again. But I've seen her have some of the worst matches that my eyes have ever seen live. But at the same time, I've also seen her have like these great matches, and. I don't know. I, I just, I don't see her as a star. I said the same thing last week. I, I, I don't think it's like, I'm not saying she doesn't belong on the roster. I'm not saying there's not some value in her. I'm not saying I'm not happy for her success. I just don't see her as a star. And, and I think you're right. I think it's better if the division just moves on to people who could be a star. I think Baszler can be a star. And I wasn't real hot for Baszler in the Mae Young Classic. But again, you know, inexperienced. And better presentation now, and that makes a huge difference. And and I'm going to be hard on Baszler the way I was with Officers of Pain, the way I am with Patrick Clark. I'm going to be hard on Baszler until she shows a, that she can do a wide variety of things. Because it's very clear they protected her here. But this is developmental, and that's what it's for. To, to allow them to do a wide variety of things and let them build up to have a match like the Authors of Pain just had. It's okay to be critical of these young wrestlers as they grow. But Baszler definitely, to me, has the star potential that Moon lacks. I don't see Moon as a main roster star. I just don't. I think on the main roster, I mean, God, I think that I'm just thinking off the top of my head, there's like, there might be as many as seven or eight people on the main roster that I would push before Ember Moon. Easily. You know, whether it's Sasha, Charlotte, Alexa Bliss, they're all locks. Rousey, if you want to count her, uh, uh, Becky Lynch, without question. Oh, yeah. Um, who's the glow girl? Naomi. I'd push Naomi before. Oh, Ember I thought you were talking about like the gorgeous ladies of red. I was like, what the hell? I, no, I, the I don't know. Glow, yeah, the, the yes. neon girl, the neon yes, green. Yes. Naomi. I'd push her before Ember Moon. Um, that. What am I up to? Six. 
Uh, name some other people. Oh, R- Ruby Riot. Oh, yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. yeah I mean, much much better star potential. That's seven right there. And I'm sure I'm forgetting some along the way. I mean, but that's seven just off the top of my head that I think have more star potential than um, than Ember Moon. I didn't even name. I didn't even say Bailey. I didn't, you know, I, you know, Bailey easily. Um. So yeah, I just don't see it with Moon either. And there's just something like I don't get excited about her matches. Can I say this though? I think that the um, what does she call the O face now? The eclipse. Oh, the eclipse. Yeah, a beautiful eclipse. She's been nailing the eclipse. She and has. Because, yeah, she's. Been and, and a lot of that's not her. A lot of that's positioning of opponent. I've seen so many indie matches where the opponents were bad and they were in the wrong spot or the timing was off. It's a hard move. To, it's a hard move to pull off. But she's really been nailing them well. You know, um, the four-way match a couple months ago, and Baszler was in perfect position for this one. So the Eclipse has looked good. I always worried about that move. Yeah, she's been kind of hitting it out of nowhere, too, which is cool. Like, on the Indies, you sort of knew it was coming because people had sort of set up. And I think a lot of that's when you're live in the audience. You kind of see the wrestlers setting up. Whereas they've been filming it really well in NXT, where I thought just she was just going off the top rope and doing whatever. And then all of a sudden, boom, she comes out of nowhere and hits it. And it's like, holy shit, it looked great. So, no, I, I agree, yeah. How about how dirty is the O face for the name of a move? Yeah. Well, That's kind of risque. You know? <laughs> so sure, Athena, that was always funny because it was like she wasn't really, I don't know. Yeah, right. It's not like, like a, Joey yeah. Ryan, I get if that was his fucking, yes. you know, finisher Correct. name or whatever, but it's like Athena. Like, why the hell is what, like why is did, I, did I miss something? Why it was called the O face for Athena? Did I so it's over my dirty? head? Yeah, I don't know. Are I don't we, know. Are we missing a different pun? Because I'm just that's thinking- what I'm wondering. Yeah, I that's yeah, I, I don't know, but it, it was a weird name for a finisher for for a character for a gimmick that wasn't sexual at all. You know, pretty bizarre. Um, Alistair Black, Adam Cole, we got to move along here. We got a lot to do. Yeah, we do. Um, yeah, we're we're fucking around here, and we didn't even get to the to the fucking twenty minute discussion we're gonna have about the main event here. Um, Alistair Black, Adam Cole, uh, Cole's great at plunder. This got off to a slow start, but I really thought it eventually built up into a match that I had to respect, if for nothing else, on effort alone. Um, you know, Cole put his body on the line and black was good. Um, black, uh, historically kind of underwhelming in singles matches sometimes. Um, but I think he's done well in WWE in that regard. Um, you know, maybe he's one of these guys who the NXT refinement has helped him. Um, and Cole always good in plunder. Good here. I ended up really liking this. I was bored for the first half and really was excited about burying it. But they won me over with effort and putting their bodies on the line. Those are two things you'll always win me over with. I came away similar as well. And, that, and that's the thing we talked about. You know, whenever Adam Cole works and whenever it does, like, kind of click with Adam Cole, it tends to be in these plunder matches. It tends to be in these sort of hardcore, you know, yeah. gimmicky weapons type matches or whatever. And, yeah, I thought he busted his ass. I thought Black busted his ass. Yeah, in the end, like, I, I want to bury it because, you know, I always kind of enjoy burying Adam Cole matches and doing the old, oh, I don't get Adam Cole thing. Why does everybody think it's good? That's a solid. This is really good. I, I don't think it was, like, a great match. I don't think it's a match that I would, you know, ever vote for match of the year that it's going to be in contention at all. But I thought it was pretty solid, all things considered. And I was entertained when it was all said and done i went yeah that was that was pretty cool and they yeah they won me over and and yeah i enjoyed it when it was all said and done i don't usually come away with that you know with, with thinking that with, with adam cole matches so yeah definitely credit to uh to adam cole for putting his body on the line and and alistair black for for, for being awesome too so yeah this is this is really good i enjoyed it 
So are we building the black all mist for WrestleMania weekend? Is that what we're doing here? Uh, I feel like we are. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I know NXT tapings are going on right now. I'm trying to stay away from spoilers. Cause I'm actually enjoying yeah. the TV a lot. So I don't want to <laughs> watch the spoilers so I can actually enjoy it. So, um, yeah, I mean, it seems all things considered. I mean, because that was the impetus of this match was that, you know, Cole ruined Black's opportunity to get the number one contendership and then Black ruined Cole's. So it was sort of a de facto, hey, whoever wins this is going to get the number one contendership type deal. So, sure. yeah, I tend to think, again, I'm not looking at the taping, so we don't know anything, but I would imagine that's Black almost um, for, for many a weekend. Okay, let's get to this fucking match now. And let's do it like this. I'm going to start low and we're going to see where you hit a roadblock and have some pause. Okay. Was this the greatest NXT title match of all time? For me, no, but I could absolutely see the justification. So we hit it on level one. No, that's (laughs) I didn't think it was. Yeah, I just, I, I, yeah, that's fine. That's fair. So then I can go in another direction here. I personally think it was. Okay. Okay. And I have no argument, by the way. I don't hate the match. Like, oh, he, no, 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 I no. Just, Look at, like, yeah, I'm going to give you my, plenty of opportunity to praise it. Right, right, right. But I'm trying to just do one facet of this first. Like, literally, my, one of my favorite matches of all time, maybe my favorite match of all time, was also an NXT title match. And, so and, it's hard for this one to top that. So. That's fair. So you're out, but I'm still alive. I do think it was the greatest NXT title match of all time. Rich is out on level one. Do I think that this is the greatest NXT match period of all time? I do think it is. Okay. So I'm still alive here. Do I think it's the greatest WWE match in history? You know, I'm afraid to say yes. But at the same time, when I think about it, Rich, I have a hard time coming up with matches I think are better, that are definitely better. I have matches that I think might be better. You know, the old Bill James um, historical baseball abstract, you know, he does the top 100 players at every position. I know you're familiar with the book. Yeah, yeah, of course. And his introduction to that section, he says the genesis of that was he was sitting at a game with his buddy. And they were watching this game, and I forget the catcher that they used as the example. It was an old Royals catcher from the 90s. I forget who, who it was exactly. And he turned to his friend and said, do you think he's one of the hundred best catchers of all time? And his friend turned to him and said, absolutely not a chance. No way. So Bill James said to his friend, all right, well, start naming guys. It's the third inning. You know, let's, let's, let's do this. Right. We got time. <laughs> so his friend starts naming catchers and he names about 20 guys who are definitely better than this catcher. And then he gets to like a, the 30th guy and they're probably better than this guy. But then he got to like the 40 or 50th name and they were already into like this territory where they might be better than that guy. You know what I mean? And then it dawned on both of them. Well, shit, this guy is definitely one of the 100 best catchers of all time. We couldn't even get to 50 names that are definitely better than him. You know what I mean? Without doing research and really digging in. So my point here in relating it back to this, I don't know if I can definitely name WWE matches that I that are definitely better than this one but I do think that I can probably think of a dozen that I think might be better than this match so I think I'm ending at level three which is is this the greatest WWE match of all time Hmm. it might be but I can't definitively say it is and of course the fourth level would be is this the greatest wrestling match period of all time which 
I have seen people say, um, not a lot of people, but I've definitely seen people say it's the best NXT match of all time. And I definitely have seen people say that it's the greatest WWE match of all time. I'm not ready to go all in on level three. I'm ready to go all in on levels one and two. Um, now, you got roadblocked at level one. What is that match you're talking about? The NXT title match that you think is one of the greatest matches of all time that you think was better than this one? Uh, that was the Zane Neville from the okay. uh, left bracket, R right bracket evolution. Now, that's just for full disclosure so people know the match that you're... Right, right. And that's like... I think legitimately the case for me being one of the greatest matches, one of my favorite matches of all time. I mean, it, it might yes. even be my number one of all time. Right. That's fair. Now, if I got to level four in this little experiment, I do not think Almas Gargano is one of the greatest matches period of all time. I can definitely without question, think of matches that I without question think are better than that match, but it could be level three for me. I, I really, my first instinct after the match was over, I tweeted out, was this the greatest NXT title match of all time? Because that was my first instinct. This is the greatest NXT title match ever. And they're all great. Yeah. And to me, it's the greatest NXT match period ever. It really might be the greatest WWE match of all time to me. I, I, I genuinely can't think of one that I definitely think is better. And if you'd like to throw a few at me, you know, maybe I'm forgetting one or, um, but I don't know. I, I can't. I really think it was that great. Yeah, no, and, and it was. And that's that's like, you know, I was out at level one only because the, the contention is like sure. my legitimately my favorite match of all time. But it was incredible. I mean, it was. I went five stars and a full disclosure. I mean, I went the whole five with it. I thought it was ridiculously good. And I thought everybody was on too. And I think this is one of those rare matches where everything because you have all every every let's kind of break down all the factors in the match everybody that's all the players of the match or whatever and sort of see how it works and this is going to be we're going to go down to like micro levels so you're going to see this obviously almas i thought he delivered 100 his best performance i've ever seen i i obviously don't watch a ton of lucha so i don't know about but is this the great i mean you probably watch a little bit more is this i mean this is probably unquestionably the best match of his career right oh, oh, oh that's a random lasomber match that i missed that was better than this right no his like, mask no his the match where he lost his mask was awesome Oh, that one. I remember not liking it, but I don't like Lucha. So, you know, it was like and, that weird thing where, And you he know. had great matches with Nakamura um, in, in New Japan. But this, to me, this is the best La Sombra match I've ever seen, yeah. I mean, okay. yeah. So we got that, of course. And Gargano, uh, for that matter, yeah. Yeah, and then Gargano, Johnny Gargano is fucking, I mean, th this dude, we, we don't even mean to say it anymore. He's one of the best wrestlers in the world. Not the best wrestler in the world. Yes, Just incredible. I mean, the way you can grab a crowd. The way, yeah, I mean, I don't even need to say it. You, you know, everybody knows this. about. I think, know, I, you know, I'm going to go a step further. I have, I have called him on this show one of the greatest tag team wrestlers of all time. I believe that. I think he's one of the five greatest tag team wrestlers who's ever lived. And I firmly believe that. I also think at this point it's fair to call Johnny Gargano one of the greatest babyface wrestlers of all time. Yep. Now, I will put an asterisk next to that. <laughs> He's also a great heel, too, which is crazy. Well, he is, but he needs to draw some money as a babyface first because I think in order to be... Look, it's one thing for us to be wrapped up in his story and all those sorts of things, but it's hard to call someone the greatest babyface of all time if they don't grab the larger audience in the same way and draw money at the top. Here's the problem though. Will he get the opportunity? And at five foot, nothing, 160 pounds or whatever he is, 
odds are that he will not. So that's why I have to put an asterisk next to it. I think if you pushed him on the main roster in the same way that you push him in NXT, he would be a money-drawing babyface, though. Uh, just like Daniel Bryan, to me, was a lock to be a money-drawing babyface. Just like uh, Sami Zayn would have been if they handled him differently. Um, but Gargano, to me, might even be better than than Zayn um, and might be Daniel Bryan level. I really believe he's that good as a babyface. And now as a worker, too. I tweeted earlier today. I think he's one of easily the five best wrestlers in the company. Maybe, oh, dude. Yeah, no, not. I mean, it's not even a question. If you, yeah, now, if you want to put AJ Styles ahead of him, I'm not going to fight you. If, I if will. <laughs> so, but, you're putting him number one. Oh, yeah, dude. He's, he's. But if someone said Styles was number one, you'd really take offense. I wouldn't take offense. I wouldn't take offense, but I would. I would definitely argue Gargano over him. But yeah, and I think the other guys are. are I think Tyler Bate. I think Roderick Strong, and I think Pete Dunn. I think those are your five. Yeah, I'd probably go Gargano, Dunn, Bates, Styles, and then who was that? Ah, Roger Strong. I like Roger Strong a lot, but I don't. I, I don't know. I didn't really have to think about that fifth guy. He's really been on fire, and he has been, but great. just yeah, not he, in prominent positions. Yeah, he's vaulting up the list, but uh, I'd really have to think about that next five. I mean, yeah, it should I be mean, Zane, it should be Owens, but those guys really aren't put in position. You, you can't put them there right now. No, yeah, of course not. Yeah, I don't know. I'm blanking on the five. Maybe Roger Strong would be my number five. I'm trying to think if there's somebody else that. That I would definitely put. It's a, that there's a million guys in the roster, yeah. and I'm putting you on the spot. I prepared for this, and you didn't. Um, but it's like, what was I getting at? But Gargano is fucking great. I mean, now, now listen to me. He's no less than the second best wrestler in the company right now. It's either him or Styles in my in my eyes. Yeah. Um, you know, those are your top two. I, you know, I didn't put the, my five in order, but you know, those would be my top two. Um, he's really fucking great. He's just a great pro wrestler. He's a joy to watch. Um, there's he 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 draws sympathy so so well. And I have no doubt he would draw at the top. Um, and he's a great tag wrestler, like you said. He's a great heel. Johnny Gargano is the total package. I don't believe he has a weakness. Johnny Gargano's only weakness as a performer is he's five foot six. I mean, what's the other? What's the knock? What the fuck is the knock? He's truly great. Truly great. You know? Um, yeah, I can't say enough great things. And, 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 and I'll say this, and then I'll give you the floor to gush about this match. Um, let's not forget about Almas. He's great, too. I guess we, we've already stated we think is the best match he ever had. I think most people would agree. And I think the other thing about this match for Almas... It's no longer just the Zelina Vega show because this was the first Almas match, which was more about him than Vega. And he delivered just as well as Gargano did, played his role just as well. And more importantly, from a kayfabe perspective, his, his, he won the match without Vega. He put away Johnny Gargano himself. And I think that was important progression for the character where he's truly a champion now. It's not just Vega using this avatar. You know what I mean? Right, right. He's officially the champ now in my eyes. Yeah, which was cool. I mean, that's why the moment with, and I was sort of breaking down every single person in the match. And that's one of the big parts about that is that, you know, Almas, you know, 
Zelina Vega gets taken out by Candice LeRae or whatever, who played a great role too as like sort of the oh what a the, great the moment. wife in the crowd, just so concerned every single moment. And then when when she sees that her you know her husband's being you know screwed over, jumps out and just fucking tackles Zelina Vega. It's awesome. It's just like incredible. Like it had everything that you would want in a match too. That's the thing. It, like if you want like great bombs, Gargano was out there bumping his ass off, and that 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 you know flip dive from the from the apron was incredible. And you know obviously the um, the knees into the the uh, what am I trying to say? The post that was incredible. I mean, there was all these great spots. So if you want like a great match, it was there. It had the heartfelt husband and wife duo, like, you know, you know, proving their love and, you know, taking down the evil people or trying to take down the evil people. Then you sort of have the weird heartbreak too, or almost just sort of steals away from him. Like you think that you're on this highest of high and then almost just beats him and just, you know, just gets it. I mean, that's pretty cool too. But I thought other things, you know, we, we break down all those guys. Lena Vega was incredible. Candice LeRae was, of course, incredible of this. And, you know, we, we always give a lot of shit, or, or I I don't say we, I, I suppose, you know, sort of this, this you know, weird spectrum of the internet, our little niche or whatever, gives a lot of shit to Marwan Nalo. But I thought he was fucking on point in this match. He was great. And I thought another thing, Percy Watson, when you get him away from Nigel McGuinness and he's not sort of waiting for his turn to talk or, or trying not to step on toes, I thought he was, was great this entire night too especially on this match and i thought it was so refreshing i hope they never go back to the three-man booth ever again honestly i like nigel mcginnis but he doesn't need to show up ever again i thought these two guys were a great unit the entire night and especially in this match i thought they nailed it it was obvious that they were excited about this match too it was obvious they were getting into it it was obvious percy was just like holy shit this is incredible and like he couldn't contain his excitement and, and moro's you know still obviously a professional who's great at sort of you know showing you in the audience of how excited he is but percy you could sort of see he sort of broke from what his normal tendencies are and just started marking out a lot but it marked out in a way that wasn't obnoxious over the top just more like jesus christ guys we're watching something special here and i'm glad that i'm watching it along with you so i thought he was great that ronaldo was great the crowd was great almost was great <laughs> arcana was great vega was great canis LeRae was great it's just everybody i mean you talk about everything nailing this match fucking perfect one thing I will say, and then I've watched the match and, and 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 obviously enjoyed it. And we talked about this last week. Did you did you like or dislike that Champa attacked him after the match? And no, not fine. during the match. So now what I had a little bit of an issue with it because I thought that's a better story. But then in some ways, I, I when it first happened, I'm looking at it and going, like, ah, you know, that's kind of a waste to have it at this point. Like, why would he do it now when he could have just done it during the match or whatever, really kind of ruined the moment and cost him the match. But then I was sort of like, but then we might have lost some of the specialness of this match in some ways. You know what I mean? Like, if, if he goes yeah, out there and attacks that's, him, that's, that's my it's just kind of exactly. like, it's like, ah, that was a great match. But yeah, you know, it was interference. It kind of played it. This was like a clear definitive win. Almost, as you said, he became a real champion then. It was like, yeah, Vega helped me a lot before, but you took Vega out and I still beat you. So now I'm the man. Like, and so that was kind of cool that that was sort of the story they wanted to tell. I didn't know they were going that route. I always, I was always, maybe personally, because that's how I sort of feel, I always think that that he's just kind of along for the ride. That almost is just sort of there, and it's like you don't really need to. But this was a moment where you kind of proved that, no, he's not just along for the ride. This dude's here, and he's arrived, and he is the champion. So I thought him winning w- w- was good in that moment. And yeah, you needed a good time for, for Gargano to get attacked. And I think you know him coming up the ramp worked. Thought it would have worked better if he had attacked him during the match and cost him the match or whatever, but it does take away from the match a little bit. So, like selfishly or whatever, while I, it's sort of selfish in both ways, like I think that's a better story for the long term. But I'm glad they didn't do it because it would have taken away from this match. And now we can sort of talk about this match being an all-time great. Whereas if he comes out and costs him the match, it might lose some steam from some people, and it might not be that all-time great match. So I, I was I was initially upset because I thought they kind of blew what could have been a better story. But in the end, I was like, ah, you know, how could you be too upset when we just saw like 
an all time great match. So I have I have nothing to add. It's it would have been a better story for Ciampa to cost them the match, but it would have ruined the match to some degree. It still would have been a great match. I wouldn't be talking about it in the pantheon of all time great matches if that was the finish, even though it would have been the better story. So I'm grateful that they did it afterwards because they accomplished the same goal, but it gave us, it allowed us to have this all time great match. So yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Um, it's almost like Savage Steamboat WrestleMania three would have been a, a better match had George Steele not interfered, but it made sense in the story for George Steele to do so. You know what I mean? Right. And it's like, sure, it was still a great match, still considered an all-time great, but maybe it would have even been a better match had that not happened. Um. So yeah, that that's I I feel exactly the same way as you do on that point. So anything else on takeover? I mean, what <laughs> fucking rocks? The takeovers are great. You know, yeah, I mean? this is another all time. They're just fucking business. rule. They're just great shows, and they always stop. If, if you fall in our camp, in that the tag team match was a great match and not just a really good one, then this was an all timer. If you think the tag title match was a good match and not a great match, then you just think it was a really good takeover. But it never disappoints. It never disappoints. Um, but between the, the the tag match, the plunder match, and the all-time great main event, I mean, shit, this was just a phenomenal show. Even with the disappointing Dream Ono match. Just a phenomenal right, so you, show. You wanted me to throw some WWE matches, some all-time great WWE matches at you. So th- this is Dave's five-star list of matches. I'll go five, and and uh, we'll do a few of the five, uh, the four and three-quarters matches. Just kind of give an idea. And you can give me your quick yes-no. So this is Gargano Almas versus this match, okay? Sure. All right, Razor Ramon, Shawn Michaels ladder match. I like Gargano Almas better. Yep, and I would I would tend to agree with that. Uh, Bret Hart, Owen Hart, steel cage match at SummerSlam. I like the NXT match better. Yeah, I'm surprised the cage got five and not the other match. We'll, we'll get to the other match here in a little bit, but I didn't like the cage that much because I don't like the other cage matches. But uh, Bret Hart, Steve Austin, no holds barred, submission match, WrestleMania uh, 13. Yeah, this is one of the ones I've struggled with and I thought about. But at the end of the day, I think I like the NXT match Okay. Better. That's I was live for Austin Hart, so that's always going to kind of hold a special place in my heart. It was kind of that moment when I was like, "Ooh, I think I like wrestling a lot." It was, you know, yeah. I was still kind of a casual fan, and I went with a, sh- you know, to my buddy with this, sh- or went with my buddy to the show, and it was just like, "Oh, shit, this is really good." I think I like this a lot now. So th- this that match will always hold a special place in my heart. So I think I would have that above almost Gargano, but yeah, I, I can see the argument there. Uh, Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, uh, Hell in a Cell, Bad Blood, nineteen ninety seven. Oh, the NXT match easily. Yeah, I would tend to agree. Uh, CM Punk, John Cena, Money in the Bank, two thousand eleven. I man, oh man. Yeah, it's like my number two match of all time. So this, this is <laughs> yeah, you can't beat this one. Yeah, it's sorry for me personally, but okay. So you're going with Punk Cena. It's why we're talking right now. Right, it's why the site exists. So <laughs> you know. Um, so actually, I hate this match because it's taking a lot of my free time. Stupid fucking match. This is the first one I where you're asked for three hours every fucking Thursday now because of this stupid match. This is the first one where, uh, man, I can't. Uh, I don't know. Okay, that's fine. You can, you can say I don't know, and guess what? There's no other five star matches. You, you know Almost what? Gargano is the last one. Okay, you know what? I like Punk Cena better. Okay, that's fine. I mean, that's <laughs> it's you're really. So you hate almost Gargano. Why do you hate this match so much? The almost Gargano, even though you just said you liked it, but now you hate it. Yeah, I think I like Punk Cena, but there's just 
Punk Cena with the finish. And, you know, just the great, until they blew it a week later. Um, and the hot crowd and all that. Yeah, I, I like Punk Cena better. Yeah, I, I can see too. I mean, this was legitimately a match where, where when it was over, you were like, I don't know what's next, but I really want to find out what's next. <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. and that's rare. That's so rare in WWE that you're like, holy shit, what just happened and what's going to happen next? So that, that, that always, oh, and then remember he had like the title in like the refrigerator and he was gonna show you know, the ring of honor it was like oh and then he just and there was a few with kevin nash it's just like fuck off guys it's just one of the few modern examples in this company where they did the right thing for the for the crowd yeah it was the right finish and they didn't try to get cute and they didn't try to fuck people over or stick it to them and they and it's just magic it was magic so that's fair. I mean, having that match above that is, is is fine. But like I said, that's all the five star matches. Then you had almost and Gargano to it. So that's just, just. I mean, of course, it's just a Meltzer and I, oh, fucking cares about it. All the somebody matches. Guide to work off of exactly. A- that's all we're doing. You know, it's yeah. not gospel. We're just using it as the guide. But his guy. I mean, this guy's watched a lot of OD in his life. You got one, two, three, four, five, five star matches before last Saturday, before the almost Gargano, and now that goes up into the pantheon of five. Five stars. So, what are some of the other ones? Uh, some of the other ones, real quickly: uh, Bret Hart, Owen Hart from WrestleMania, uh, WrestleMania Ten. I love that match, but this was a better match. Yeah, I, I agree as well. Uh, Razor Ramon, Shawn Michaels, the uh, ninety-five ladder match. Nah, the NXT match is better. You get a ladder in there, man. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of ladder matches here. So, mm-hmm. so get ready. Bret Hart, British Bulldog from uh, nineteen ninety-five. This is not the Wembley Stadium one. This is uh, December nineteen ninety-five. I think Beware a Dog. I think was the name. Of, no, it wasn't the Beware a Dog one. I forgot what the pay-per-view of this was. Seasons Beatings. Joe, do you remember when, Seasons now, Beatings? Yeah. <laughs> Wembley, I would struggle with. I love that match. I love it. This one, though, I'm taking the NXT match. Yeah, I don't know where uh, Dave rated the, the Wembley one. Maybe he got some word from Bret Hart that... Uh, Maybe there's a mistake in that. It is the Wembley one. Yeah, I, I don't know. It seems weird that the Seasons Beatings one is... I don't remember that match at all, but uh, this one I love as well. Mankind Shawn Michaels, that uh, uh, the Mind Games one, 1996 Mind Games. That one's really good. But Yeah, I'm taking the NXT match. I, I, I will as well, but that's that's a tough one for me. And then there's Benoit Jericho. It's a ladder match from 2001. I think it was Royal Rumble 2001. I gotta be honest, I don't remember that. Yeah, Um. I don't know. I don't know if it's aged as well. I would, I would think this at the NXT one was better. I watched that one not that long ago. The problem uh, with that one is I'm going to go back and watch, but it's not fair that I didn't remember it the, in the moment. Right. Well, I don't know. In the moment, it was. I, I don't know. I was watching it in the moment. I don't know that it was necessarily considered. But I, again, I was pretty young at that point, so it wasn't like I was, you know, I did enjoy great, but I wasn't like tuned into the, the, you know, what everybody was saying. I wasn't reading observers or whatever. So I don't know. I mean, I enjoyed it, but I, I mean, it's only 17 years level. ago because right. let me tell you this. If you if you haven't seen if you've never seen Savage Steamboat and you watched it now, you'd think the NXT match blew that the fuck away. Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because sure. 30 years ago and now compared to the standard of its day, that's a different argument. But if Savage Steamboat happens move for move on this NXT show, it's the third best match. I, people are going to get mad at me, but it's the truth. No, I mean, yeah, you're not you're not I don't think you're out loud in saying that. I mean, that's against Kizidor evolution thing or whatever, but uh, we won't get into that today because we only have a little bit of time. Uh, yeah, the rest of these, I don't know if there's any that are really going to jump out at you. There's some TLC matches. I don't think you, I, knowing you and your taste, I don't think you would take any of those TLC matches. No, I would not. Over because those are just kind of plunder. You, you like a good story, you know, into a terms of a match. I'm trying to find ones that are similar. Uh, any of the Michaels Undertaker matches, uh, the WrestleMania ones, any of those reach the same level yeah, for you? Yeah, you know, um, Close. Those, those are both four and three quarters uh, for, for, for both of them. Famously. 
because Dave is biased. Right, because he. Um, and thankfully, he answers a question about those every single day, so it's it's good that we always get to hear. Those thoughts. are th- those are close. I I don't. Here's the problem with those two. One of them I didn't watch till years later. Believe it or not. Um, and now in my mind, because I'm just not into either. Neither guy like does it for me. Right. Um, but in my mind, I I can't separate i'd have to watch them both again to know what spots happened in which match and Mm -hmm. but but off the top of my head they'd be they'd be in the same range and i can't give you a definitive answer right now yeah i can say that the first one uh 2009 just knowing what it was and knowing that the history of the undertaker wrestlemania wasn't great like he had said some good matches but that knowing what those two dudes were doing and not expecting it because i thought the second match while i enjoyed it you sort of expected those guys were going to go out there and have a spectacle the first one you did not expect it at all and those guys just went out there and had an incredible so that one is really up there for me the second one while in rewatch, I like the second one a little bit better. That first, that moment, like you're saying, that watching it in real time, that first one was just incredible because it was like you did never expect it in a million years these two dudes to have that, that good of a match. Whereas on the second year, you said, okay, these guys had a great match last year. They're going to do it again. The same happened when a few years later when it was Undertaker Triple H. You kind of knew, okay, well, Undertaker oh, yeah. Triple H are going out there and going to have that match. But I didn't really, I mean, those were okay, but they were just kind of like pedigree we lay around, last ride we lay around, tombstone we lay. Like, I don't know. I, those some people matches those- couldn't touch the show. Michaels yeah. matches and the second one I didn't even think was good no I hated it I, didn't, I just didn't even think it was a good match I, I just I didn't like it at all that was the one where they just laid around I, you know so yeah you're not gonna yeah no definitely not the Triple H Undertaker match uh, one that I'll give you real quick, and then we'll we'll finish with this one. It's another recent match: Pete Dunne, Tyler Bate, NXT Takeover Chicago. I've been to a lot of these great matches. I need to. You know, I'm pretty lucky in my wrestling life that I've been to uh, so many. I don't even. I don't even think that's the best Tyler Bate Pete Dunne match. I'm a little. I'm not. Okay. I'm not as high on that match as other people. I think it was great. Don't do not get me wrong. Well, I hate you. Now let's argue about that. No, I'm just joking. I think it's like a four and a half star match. So I definitely like Gargano Almas more. That's about it. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if there's any yeah. of these other ones that are really jump out at you. But there you go. I mean, a fun little exercise there. So I think, yeah, you, I mean, if you want to make that argument. I might think it's the best match in company yeah. history. I might think that. I definitely don't think it's the best match in wrestling history. That's just no. No, yeah. That's, I mean, there's that's multiple that. Tanahashi <laughs> right. matches I yeah. prefer. And of right. course, I have to say that because I want to piss people off. But that's the truth, though. There's at least two or three I like better. The invasion attack match, two of the Wrestle Kingdom matches at minimum. So that's three right there. Um, I, you know, I liked Okada Shibata as another recent vintage match. That was a better match than this NXT match. Um, I went four and three quarters on this. You went five. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I've ever gone five stars on a WWE match. Now, I wasn't always star rating matches, and I don't want to do it retroactively. Um, but since I've been star rating matches for this show, and I guess a couple years before this, when I was doing reviews and stuff, I've never given a WWE match five stars. Four and three quarters, I know this is like a Dave argument, is a really fucking great rating. I think people forget that. Why isn't it five, Joe? <laughs> tell me why it wasn't five. What was it? I can, you want me I'm to joking. tell you that? Are you no, asking? I'm joking. No, I'm no, I'm serious. Are you asking in earnest? Because I'll tell you. Yes, Joe, I'm asking. Yeah, why, why not? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Because when the match ended, I didn't feel like it was perfect. That's, okay. I mean, I, I don't have, I can't point to you specific reasons. But when it was over, I said to myself, I get a, I just, I, what popped in my head was that was four and three quarters. It didn't feel perfect. If a match feels perfect, I give it five stars. 
What minor gripes? It was a little long, a little bit too long. But come on, I I just you know it might be the best match in company history. Fucking great, you know. But no, I just I just didn't it didn't feel like five stars to me, you know. So, uh, you know, you can come at me with the shit that Dave deals with, I guess, if you want. I mean, but I don't know. It just didn't feel like five to me. That's fine. That's fair. But I tell you, it's probably as close to five as you can get without being five. It was four and four fifths. Oh, you should go. Yeah, you should really piss people off with the yeah. as close as possible without going to five. So that definitely makes it a four and nine tenths. <laughs> there you go. All right, so that does it for Takeover. We're moving to the world of New Japan here in a sec, but I do want to let everybody know that this episode is also sponsored by our friends at SeatGeek, and buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated and confusing, but there is a better way to buy, and it's with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest and easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event, whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out, Valentine's Day is coming up, so hint, hints there, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed we both use the SeatGeek app and it's by far the easiest way to shop for tickets with just a few taps we can instantly find seats like i did for uh, last friday's bulls lakers games i'm going to an up uh, upcoming bulls mavericks game so i always bought those on SeatGeek. and yeah hey maybe you're going to the quote uh not copyrighted the big game in minnesota on sunday but uh SeatGeek's your choice if you want to do that uh, they search multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget plus every single purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with complete confidence make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket from sports and concerts to comedy and theater now the kicker voice wrestling listeners can get $20 off the first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code VOW. So whether you're on Android, whether you're on Apple, whatever, go download the SeatGeek app and you enter promo code VOW. That's promo code VOW, 20 bucks off, 100%, just $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Download the app, enter promo code VOW, 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. All right, we're... uh talked a lot about the WWE weekend, so we're going to have to uh, <laughs> kind of run through well, the this thing, New Japan thing. The but the good, good thing is there's good, really only three matches that are really worth talking about. So. Yeah, the good thing about Sapporo is we really don't need to talk about a lot of the matches. So, um, And I've been thinking about it. I don't even remember that In Your House 5 Bret Hart British. No, I, I think that has to be an error. I mean, I don't remember it. Um, and I watched a lot of those pretty recently, too. And I, I definitely saw it because during that era, I was watching everything. Um. I I no fucking recollection of that. I'm I I I'm just blanking. Maybe if I someone was on this show that remembered it and gave details, it would ring a bell to us, but off the top of my head I don't remember. But anyway. Night one in Sapporo. So the big story was Tanahashi and Suzuki once again had another classic match. These two guys, and they're different every time. You know, so these guys just have unreal chemistry. I think that was uh the one big story from the Sapporo the first Sapporo show. Rich, do you have an underlying story from this show uh, that, that you think is not getting enough attention? I I don't know. This if was the that's... hardest of the four, I think, to come up yeah, with. Yeah, this one's this is a toughie. I, but I have one. But this might be a cop-out a little bit, but I fucking love that main event. And I don't know if enough people are talking about how great that main event was. I love Suzuki versus Tanahashi. It was great. I don't. Is that I'm underrated? Surprised. Is that I, I don't know. I'll tell you what. I'm surprised you loved it. I thought you were okay, going to yeah, hate it. Yeah, I'm surprised I did too. I, th- I thought I was going to hate it too. And it was weird because as the match was going on about three fourths through, I'm like, I don't really like this match. But then it, it reached a level of like uncomfortableness 
where yeah. Suzuki is just beating down Tanahashi. And it's just like, dude, let him go. Like, it's enough. You got him. You got him beat. Just finish it off. He's done. Like, whatever. And it reached a level where it got so uncomfortable that it actually, I started enjoying it a lot more. Like, yeah. it reached this point where it got long in the tooth, but so long that it was like, ooh, this is kind of interesting. Because he's just playing with him. Like, he's just a dog who's got a dead squirrel in his mouth and is just throwing the thing around. It's like, dude, you're done. Like, whatever. Just let, drop it and walk away and go do something else. But no, Suzuki just has to rip at him and shred and just rip him to absolute shreds, even though he's already killed him. He's gotten his kill. He's yeah. done with him. But he just fucks around with him and plays around with him. And that that kind of was interesting because I thought I was, you know, if the match just ended, you know, four or five minutes earlier, I would have been like, yeah, whatever. But I love the idea that he's just playing around with the dead body of Tanahashi. And that sort of put it at another level for me. And then the referee has to stop it. Like, all right, look, 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 you're done. (laughs) Enough. But the ace doesn't give up. Right, right. And he's too dumb to give up, too. You know, he's got, he's hurt. He's injured. He should just give up. But he's too dumb. He's too stubborn. He's too, too passionate and too prideful to give up. So Suzuki just says, well, fuck, give up, man. (laughs) Like, you're going to have to, or I'm going to kill you here. So the ref just has to do it. And I thought that was cool. I thought that was a good story. Well, Suzuki gave him the gotch pile driver, which no one kicks out of, but he didn't want to just take his easy pin. Nope, nope, nope. He wanted to embarrass the man. Yeah, that, that, ma- that spot alone jumped the match up for me. Because yep. he just pins him after the gotch and was like, ah, all right, that was fine. But the fact that he hits the gotch and goes, mm. and like I, I was watching on the English commentary, and I thought they did a good, good job too. Because Kevin Kelly's like, dude, just finish him. Like, what are you doing? Why? Like, and you know, you can see, I think it was Red Shoes. Red Shoes is refereeing this match, right? Yes, I think it was. was doing it. Okay. And even he's like, he's looking at Suzuki like, no, pin him. Like, come on. No, don't do this. And that I thought was really cool. So Suzuki sort of becoming the killer that we all kind of want out of him. And what we, God, we were clamoring for it last year when he was just fucking around with Yano and doing all this sort of shit. This is the Suzuki we want. The Suzuki that's just like, can just destroy you, just methodically destroy you whenever he wants. And, well, and that plays was- into my under reported or how the fuck did we word this? <laughs> I don't remember even what anymore. <laughs> Underplayed, I think. The underhyped I story of coming out this of this gimmick show. is never coming back. By the way, <laughs> this is this, over and dead. We just don't know how to explain it. Uh, it's the good gimmick. I like it. I just don't know how to explain it. Yeah, yeah. The underhyped story of this show to me, and that's a perfect segue to it, is Minoru Suzuki might be the wrestler of the year <laughs> through the first month of the year. I mean, yeah. when you talk about the Goto match and this match and the way he's carrying himself. Holy shit, has this guy been great? You know, it's like it's either him, Johnny Gargano, or TJ Perkins. <laughs> like, just like we all figured it would be. Those are your three. Yeah, TJ Perkins, uh, Johnny Gargano, and Minoru Suzuki. Your yeah. wrestlers of the year, 2018, of course. But I mean, holy shit, was this match great? You know, and it was just so different than a typical New Japan main event. It was so different than the other Tanahashi-Suzuki matches that they've had. They had one at Wrestle Kingdom, which was a really good match, but not probably not a great match. The King of Pro Wrestling match, of course, of course is an all-timer. And they haven't wrestled in a lot of years since. And then this one. And all three are different. And this was just, yeah, this was, this is, like you said, this is exactly what you want out of Minoru Suzuki. You know, you want him to come off like a serial killer. He doesn't just want to win the match. He could have done that. He could have just pinned him after the pile driver. No, he wants to maim this man. He wants to make a point. He wants to embarrass him. He wants to injure him. He wants to end him. And the ace will not tap. The ace will not give up to this monster. This is the ultimate heel versus babyface dynamic here. This is the classic heel 
and the classic baby face. And it was just beautiful to watch. And you're right. It was a match that's kind of a slow build. It creeps up on you how great it is. And I really didn't think you were going to like it. This just didn't seem like your cup of tea at all. Um, And I know you've already explained yourself, but um, I'm glad you did like it. Um, Because I'd be disappointed if you didn't. It It really was a great match. And it gives, you know, they pull Tanahashi off the rest of the tour or whatever. Um, so it gives him a reason to go away, um, which he does every year this time of year. And, you know, with the year Minoru Suzuki had last year with the never title match with all the gimmicks, now it's impossible not to be excited about Minoru Suzuki after the two performances he just put in back to back at Wrestle Kingdom and on this show. He's a very interesting wrestler right now to see how he attacks the rest of his intercontinental title matches now. And it's interesting that they freed Tanahashi of this belt. I'm not going to speculate now or, you know, go down certain roads, but well, I guess I will. Okada is approaching a certain record, you know, and it's easier for Okada to break that record that is currently held by Tanahashi. If Tanahashi also isn't currently a champion, you know what I mean? Right. So it could be a situation where it serves a lot of purposes. It gives Minoru Suzuki a push. It gives Tanahashi an excuse to disappear for a while. And it also frees up Tanahashi to be the record breaking title defense for Okada, which would be a great story and would probably sell out any building they choose to run. So um, there's that too that I think is worth keeping an eye on. But um, just a great match, and in a completely different way than the Almas Gargano match, both of which I went four and three-quarter stars on. So, um, yeah, what a what a what just a joy to watch this was. Yeah, I had, I had to do it. I had to open up my match of the year document as I'm watching it. I'm kind of like, yeah, 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 whatever. And I, I didn't even think about it. And as it, like I said, when he, when he dragged him in the middle of the ring after that gotch, I, I opened that doc and I was like, okay, <laughs> unless this goes off the rails in the next few minutes, this is on this list. And yeah, I went, I went four and three quarters with it. I loved it. Yeah. Great match. Um, now, as far as the rest of this show, there really wasn't much there. Um, but a few, I want to get your, th- did you watch the rest of the show or no? Uh, not Before all of it. No, all right, well, I, tell me if you watch these matches and comment if you want. Okay. You yeah. Did. I, you know what? No, I, I actually skipped most of this undercard. I, I watched a little bit more of uh, the next night, but yeah, I've been busy with the match of the year. So now I, I, right. I just kind of, I had the show after I, saw, I read the reviews and I saw people saying, eh, you didn't miss, didn't miss much. I, I kind of hand wave. I do want to go back and watch the Kitsamura match, the opener, but uh, yeah, I'm going to give a, a couple thoughts on like two matches and then we'll just go to the next Sapporo show. Um, Elgin Kitamura, beef versus beef. It was, um, you know, the second match of Kitamura's trial series. He has his third match on the next show. Definitely well worth going back and watching that. Look, are you going to be busting out your match of the year, Doc? No. Definitely worth watching, though. Uh, then there was just, uh, there was, uh, let's see, what else? Um, I think that's it on this show that I really wanted to comment on. I guess <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, no, there was the there was the never open weight six man. I guess that deserves a second. Um, Bad Luck Fale and Grills of Destiny, as expected, got past Makabe, Taguchi, and Toa Hanare 
But again, they keep building these matches around Hanare. I think they see something in him. Um, and once again, he looked very good. The other thing is Togi Makabe finally looks to, after a year of doing nothing, it appears they're going to do something with Makabe now because uh, he did, what was it on? The two shows are blending together now, but he did do a run in uh, to save someone from a beating on uh, on one of the shows. So, um, you know, Makabe after a year of doing nothing. And I guess Hanma should be back at some point because I know he's training. Yeah. But, and if you, watch, uh, if you watch the post Sapporo things on the uh, the second night, the post, he le- he legitimately goes out there and says, ah, I haven't done anything for a year, but I'm back. <laughs> like some weird thing, like, you know, yeah. never never look away because I can come right back and change everything in a minute. So I thought that was kind of cool mm-hmm. that he sort of addressed, hey, look, I, I, I know I've been fucking around for a year, but, you know, I'm back now. Yeah. Jay White did team with Show and Yo in the semi-main event of this show against Omega and the Bucks. And I don't know if you saw this backstage comment, but he asked Rocky Romero, hey, have you gotten show or yo junior title matches against Will Ospreay? Jay White is like an instigator. Mm-hmm. You know? Like he, he likes to rattle cages. He likes to fucking, and he's out for himself. And he's a user. And he's a manipulator. And he's the smartest guy in the room. You know? And he's really rounding into form. I guess we should save this because he was in the main event of the next show. Uh, let me just run through these results real quick and we'll jump to the next night. Tenzan, Liger, Kushida, Nakanishi, and Tiger Mask beat the Suzuki Gun Juniors plus Azuka. Very quickly on that. The Suzuki Gun Junior undercard tag matches are the most underrated matches in New Japan. The Suzuki Gun Juniors are legitimately awesome. They're a lot of fun. They fly around the ring. They, you know... Ironically enough, with Taka involved, they remind me of Kayentai during the Attitude Era. Remember how fun those Kayentai matches were? Oh, yeah. They were great. Like on Raw, you know, they just fly around for five minutes and they were like a pack of wolves. They were like a gang. That's what these matches are like, and they're so much fun. And if you're going to skip undercard stuff, I would not skip those. They're always a shit ton of fun. Ishii and Yano got by Chase Owens and Yujiro, as expected. They won on both nights, Ishii and Yano. So if the idea is to get them a tag team title shot at some point after the Okada Goto title shot, then I think that they gave them two wins here, uh, visible wins on on two shows. I did want to talk about Chase Owens briefly. He lost here, but on the next night he won. He's been scoring, not just winning matches, but he's scoring a lot of falls, including Mm -hmm. scoring two falls in the Rambo. And also, I don't know if you've noticed, but they've taken advantage of the botched count in the Rambo where uh, Delirious's shoulders were not on the mat. And Chase Owens is doing the old King Kong Bundy five count gimmick, which I think is pretty smart to take advantage of what could, what was really an embarrassing situation, but they've turned it into a gimmick. The other thing Chase Owens is doing is he's calling himself an honorary Tongan when he teams up <laughs> with the Bullet Club Tongans. Yeah, that's pretty fun. But here's the thing. It shows that they're doing they've got ideas for chase owens and he's taken his own initiative to do something you know what i mean he's taking advantage of a shitty situation in the rambo where he was supposed to look good and ended up looking like shit he's cutting promos and putting himself over they're letting him score pinfalls i could see a mid-card push for him this year 
as a reward for being such a hard worker over the last few years. Yeah, we talk about it all the time. He's a guy who will jump on the plane at a moment's notice, come here, fill a spot out for you, do whatever you ask him, take all the falls, do all that sort of stuff. And yeah, I mean, there we talk about it all the time. There is never, and we'll talk about it, you know, in the next show. There is never a fall in this company that doesn't matter or means. That's something. right. Every yep. single fall means something. It might not mean something right now. But it might mean something down the line, or it might be a series where you're like, "Oh, wait a minute!" Like you're saying, one Chase Owens pinfall is like, "Oh, that's that's interesting. I wonder what they're doing here." You see it more and more, and now there's a pattern. And it's like, okay, well, they're. I mean, it's never just a guy gets a pinfall just because they're ah, whoever. Yeah, Chase just get the pinfall. Yeah, it's um, him getting a pinfall means something. Yeah, you know, we'll talk about it again with Jay White and David Finley. They alluded to that. That's a big deal. You know what happened in random young line matches yep. two three years ago is still being played in the storylines today. They yep. matter every single fall. Nobody just gets a fall because. So there's something. And I there. can totally see Chase Owens getting some never or US title shot, even on like a wrestling Dantaku or an anniversary show or one of those C level major shows. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Right. And he gets beaten and he goes away and, and you know, and that's, yeah, back to that. but that's yeah. it. Like, but he, he, he rose to that moment, which is something that's always cool. Like third from the top on new Japan road or new Japan, you know, wrestling Dantaku or new Japan 46th anniversary, you know? And, and, but I, you know, and, and, and that's his, and that's fine. You know, that's his lane. That might be the peak of, of his push and that's okay. But I can totally see them doing something like that with him this year because there are seeds being planted in that direction. Um, what else do we have? We had uh, Cody Hangman Page and Marty Skrull knocking off Finley, Juice Robinson, and Kota Bushi. Again, continuing the Cody, Kota Bushi stuff, which would obviously play heavily the next night. Uh, the David Finley stuff that you're referring to, he talked about. He's got a singles match coming up with Jay White. And he talked about how Jay, he has lost to Jay White eight straight times. Those were all young lion matches before Jay White's excursion. And again, like you just said, not throwaway results. They come into play later. Jay White obviously was a guy they knew they were going to push to the moon. So they had him establish dominance over his young lion peer before he went on his excursion. Those eight falls meant something. Yeah, And not only that, now you have David uh, Finley referring to them and giving himself a little impetus for some revenge. He needs to prove himself against Jay White because Jay White has beaten him like a drum and dominated him. And he wants to show that he's on Jay White's level. Now he's going to lose, but they've given you reason to invest in that more so than, oh, we've got an IWGP US champion against a prelim guy. Who cares? There's history there. And there was a reason for all those results. You know, and that's that's why we rave about this company, because you can really sink your teeth into this stuff, because what you're watching matters. You know, as opposed to however many matches Dolph Ziggler had with The Miz and who it doesn't fucking matter the next month. This shit happened a year and a half ago, and it's playing into fucking a fourth from the top match happening, you know, next week. That's, you know, as hardcore wrestling nerds, that's what we want. And that's what they give us. So we had 
Lij Hiromu and Naito in this oh, case. Really quick, you're, you're sort of mentioning it, but for those that don't know, the they they put the post match promos on New Japan World now, and they're actually translating them on New Japan World as well. For a while there, uh, they were only getting translated on YouTube, but they're actually on New Japan World now. So do yourself a favor, and after every show, watch those. There's a lot of great storyline stuff being done in those right now, and a lot of the Americans can sort of flex their muscles a little bit in terms of promos there as well. And they also translate any of the Japanese promos too, so you get some funny things. Everything's like subtitled now. Taichi wants to, you know, sue New Japan. He's, you know, alluding to the fact that, you know, his, I think it was Mao on this morning. The, the, what if she was pregnant? You shoved her to the ground. And what if she was pregnant? Was yeah. Like, what the hell is going on here? But it's fun. And then, you know, Makabe doing is, yeah, I haven't done shit for a year, but I'm back now, I think, you know, yeah. so cool stuff like that. So yeah, definitely go and, and, and check those out if you can. But uh, yeah, real good stuff. Talking about being tired of wrestling the old farts. Yeah, exactly. I'm ready. I'm, I'm, all I do is wrestle old farts and, and young lions. This yeah. is going to change now, hopefully. So, yeah, now that Suzuki won the title, this is going to change. So they have all that up there. And like I said, David Finley cuts a great promo about, you, you know, this little nugget. Yeah. And, and they're aware of it. And those guys are aware of it, which is cool. That means it's company-wide and it's encouraged that, you know, we'll talk about Jay White here in a little bit. After his match, he talks about New Year's Dash 2015. I was just a guy, you know, I mean, like. Mm-hmm. instantly refers to the old person that he, he doesn't come in here like he's some new character he goes to his history and goes hey this is the date this is the match this is when i did this and finley goes hey eight matches in a row like so they're made aware of that these aren't you know yeah. I, th- these guys maybe are, are kind of self-aware of it too but i'm sure it's it's in some way being encouraged by the office hey sure. you lost eight in a row there you go use that cool you know that's my promo now and these guys mm-hmm. cut real promos you know using those little nuggets bullet point i've lost eight in a row to jay white well now is my opportunity to, to, to get back on the winning track mm-hmm. It's cool. Yeah. It's simple. It's it's not it's not it's rocket science. It's, it's fucking easy. Talk about your career so, and talk. It's, you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, it's, it gives it's, them motivation, it's, intimate, and it's and not hard. Impetus. Why is it so hard for people to do? It's just like I don't know. And I'm and and and, and I'm way more into that than Braun flipping over semis. I just right. couldn't. Finley Finley's sitting there while he's taking off his wrist tape, going, "Ah, you know, I've lost eight times in a row to Jay White, but the next time I'm going to win." Yeah. In and out. Done. Okay. Cool. I'm interested. Now, you, yeah, you got me. You but no, we honest. have one guy for an hour flipping semi trucks and taking over the production truck and, and and being crushed by a garbage. I don't give a shit. But this guy, while he's taking his wrist tape off, saying, ah, you know, lost eight in a row. But I'm gonna make things I'm gonna change that. that that's it. That's all it is. Yeah. It's not hard. Hiromu Naito beat Osprey and Yoshihashi. Uh, that's to set up a couple of singles matches coming up on the uh, big new beginning show. That was a good match. Then again, the semi-main event, Omega and the Bucks beat uh, Jay White and Ropongi 3K. So let's go to night two in Sapporo, back-to-back nights quickly. I did a Patreon special, uh, uh, business news special yesterday where I really broke down a lot of numbers on these two new beginning Sapporo shows. Um, but the Cliff Notes version of that is between the two nights, they drew a little over 10,000 fans. So they average 5,000 fans per night. So Rich, that's why they do this. That's why they've now split it into three shows. So instead of drawing 5,500 fans to one show in Sapporo, they drew 10,000 fans on back-to-back nights, same crew, no travel. It's a no-brainer. It's a right. good business it's decision. Selfishly- Selfishly, I wanted them to get like 500 people for the second night or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. Because I don't want the split shows. But yeah, it makes all the business sense in the world. Why would you not do that? Yeah, it's just it, it's an absolute no brainer. If you want more details, though, and I dug up the history of the attendance in the building. Um, if you're a Patreon subscriber, that show is up now. If you want to listen to that. And I did an hour on, uh, you know, wrestling news all over the world. Mix Max Challenge uh, data. A lot of impact news, including how the office reacted to Borash leaving. 
Uh, it's at the $5 subscription level uh, for that one-hour update I did yesterday. So uh, second night of Sapporo, which uh, along those same lines, were you surprised that Omega and Jay White outdrew Tanahashi and Suzuki? I'll ask you that right Stunned. Yeah, stunned that that happened. I would not – and I don't know if it's just that – I. Now, I now look, it, Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I was going to wonder what's some advantageous you know, things. What are some and, other factors that might have played into it? Yeah. And what I talked about on that business news update, when they run Sumo Hall several nights in a row, it's always the the first show never does as well as the second, mm-hmm. for right. whatever reason. Right. Um, so maybe there's some of that. But to me, and this is going to play into, okay, well, let's do this. The one big story, the, big, the one big thing coming out of this uh, show was obviously – um, the fact that uh, the Golden Lovers are back together with the big angle at the end of the show. That's the big story coming out of this. And we're going to talk a ton about that. But first, Rich, what is your underlying story to come out of this show? So my underplayed story is uh, Adam Page and his role in sort of the, 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 the spark that lit the flame of the Bullet Club and the, the explosion, of the potential fracturing of the Bullet Club. And really, he was the conduit to this entire story that we saw coming. And I would have never thought in the world that Adam Page, guy who's just kind of there in the Being the Elite series, guy that's just kind of there in the Bullet Club, would be the impetus. And like, yeah, I, I don't think he is a big factor. And I don't think they, they're, they're really using him as like that he's going to be the guy that sort of, you know, emerges in the pack or whatever. But I thought it was kind of interesting and, and a really cool idea to have him just innocently asking for a title match be what sort of explodes the bullet club and, 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 and changes the, the course of, of, of that faction's history as we know it. And, and, I, yeah, I mean, I thought that was kind of cool. I mean, it, it, to me, that's a really fun way to do it. And I'm a guy who doesn't really like Adam Page, but I think that's such a cool way to do it where he just innocently is like, hey, I'm just going to go ask for a title match because that's what you guys do. And then that's what causes, you know, the whole thing to explode. And and of course, it was going to, it was sort of always teetering and it just needed that one moment to do it. But it was cool that you added him in there. And now you sort of elevate him a little bit because now he plays a more important role in that faction where before he was just kind of a guy that was hanging around and, and occasionally alluded to his penis in the being the elite series. But now he's, he's got a real role. I mean, he sort of maybe innocently may have fractured this entire stable, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, my story was Jay white motherfucking superstar. That's what's being underplayed here to me coming off a very shaky wrestle kingdom performance where he was not comfortable in his own skin, which was very obvious where he did not come off like a superstar, Jay White came off like an absolute superstar in this show. The match was awesome. His performance, his personal performance in the match was awesome. Uh, his post-match promo was incredible. Everyone needs to go out of their way to see that. And I'm going to tell you right now, this is a Joe Lanza guarantee. Record the tape. Less more. Play the clip on your on your dopey show. Okay. Uh, anybody else? Mark down my words. This is a Joe Lanza guarantee. If you want to drag your feet on Jay White, if you want to be stubborn about Jay White because you didn't like his debut, or you think the gimmick is a little cringe, or you think he hasn't found his footing yet, do not be that guy who is stubborn and drags his feet about Jay White. Because after this show, and this performance, and this match, I am 100% convinced that Jay White is going to be a top-level pro wrestling superstar, in particular for New Japan Pro Wrestling. I was so blown away by Jay White on this night. He is comfortable in his skin now. He knows who he is. He knows what he's doing in this gimmick. 
He's a tremendous pro wrestler. He understands the character's motivations. His character is the straw that stirs the fucking drink in this company now. And we're going to get into that. And Jay White is a mortal lock to be a superstar. They showed guts in putting him in this match. They continued to show faith in him. The match drew. So this idea that Wrestle Kingdom Kingdom sunk him, maybe among cynical Western fans who, you know, we we tend to look. Rich, it's our job to be cynical and break things down. And people on Twitter have to have their hot takes. Well, let me tell you something: the Japanese fan base paid to see his his next match. Over five thousand fans. So the idea that he failed to get over at Wrestle Kingdom, a fallacy, an absolute fallacy. I've got data to back that up. And look, Rich, were we not as critical as everybody else was about Jay White? Oh, absolutely, yeah. But this. Even last week, even, even into last week we were. I have not just turned the corner. I am now thoroughly convinced that he's everything that they think he is. And this push is not going to stop, nor should it. He will be a made guy by the end of the year. When we talk about New Japan made guys, they usually have about four or five guys who are their top line main eventers, and he is a lock to be one of them, and he'll be a successful one. He came off to me like an absolute lock future stud in this match in ways that he didn't even approach at Wrestle Kingdom. Lock it up. Stone Cold Joe Lanza lock. This man is a superstar. And he's going to be one faster than you think. Where do you want to go with this? Well, you watched the promo, right? The the post-match promo? I did. I thought that was, and and, and I encourage every single person, whether you want to pause this podcast and go watch it now, it might might help if you haven't seen it yet, because that is, it it just works so perfectly. And I don't know, I doubt they timed it to work exactly how it did, but he gets down and he starts cutting his promo or whatever. And as he's doing it, you can hear the Bullet Club stuff happening in the background. In the in the so he's backstage cutting his promo, and in the background, you can hear the crowd sort of gasping and 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 chanting as the and he goes, "Look what I did to the Bullet Club! You know, I come in and in one moment I tore that thing apart. You know, I come in, I win one title, I win one match, and they're fracturing at the seams. And in the crowd, you can hear behind, like you hear Omega cutting pro, you hear like guys yelling at each other, or whatever, like the Bullet Club yelling at each other, and then the crowd gasping and, and and not really sure what to do. And if you watch, you know, if you knew, you know, the sequence of events that happened, you know, when Cody comes out and when you know Omega shoves down the box or whatever, when you know all that sort of stuff, and you hear White in the background just going like, "Look at what I caused! Look at the chaos I caused!" Yep. I did that. I caused this. Mm-hmm. And in the background, it's just like, it's so perfect. It's, ha- it's happening as he's talking about I know what he's saying. Like, he goes, you hear that? That's me. I caused all that. It's just like, oh, yes. And that's, and now it's sort of, now it's making a little bit more sense what he is. I think there's still some holes in it. Like you mentioned last week, him being in chaos. Why does, you know, Okada want him in chaos or whatever? You know what, though, Rich? I'm all in on that now and I can explain it. I think it's, 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 it's because this switchblade, this Jay White switchblade, He's, he's diabolical. He's two steps ahead of everybody else. He even went on Twitter because he, he's doing his gimmick on Twitter, which I love. I love guys that do their gimmick on Twitter. Um, he even went on Twitter and said, after the breakup, the Bull Club breakup angle, and he said, I told you they were weak. Yeah. I told you this would happen, you know, because he's one step ahead. Now, I'm all, now the chaos thing, we, I ripped it last week, remember? But now I get it. I get it because... He's just using chaos because he knew 
that he needed chaos to help him fracture the Bullet Club and to get the United States title, which he wanted so badly. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think this is a guy, he's not long for chaos. He's going to continue to use and manipulate everyone in his path. This is going to be what this character is. Yes, and that's that's what I was going to say. When when you when he cuts that promo, it was like I finally got it. Like the weird guy that has a knife thing. Let that go. That's 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 what he kind of is right now. And we we knew that. We knew it'd take a little bit of sort of smoothing out and what's going to work. And he's figured out what's going to work. Manipulator is the one that works. He's just kind of playing all the parts. He's kind of jumps in, slides in, sort of hey uh, you know hey how's it going guys, and then you know. Then drops the, he's, nuts, he's, drops the hammer or whatever. And yeah. here's the great thing about him. He tells you what he's going to do, and then he does it. Right. He's telling Okada, we can team for now, but I'm coming for you. That title is going to be mine. But we can help each other now. We have a common enemy. And I thought the match layout here was utterly fucking brilliant. Because Omega is dominating this match. Dominating the match. And Jay White kind of wins it out of nowhere with his finish. Whatever he calls the sister Abigail. I don't know what he calls it. These move names are going to be the death of us. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember what he calls this one either. Let me, I should... The fucking knife blade. The fucking serrated knife. Whatever he calls it. I don't fucking know. I don't believe he calls it the serrated knife. but uh, I'll, uh, the, the Jack the Ripper. The Blade uh, Runner. The Blade Runner. The Swiss Army knife. Whatever he the calls it. Blade Runner Shell Shock. Blade Runner Shell Shock. It's one of the two. The hot knife through butter. Hot knife through butter. Yes, of course. Yes. Um, You know, he hits that move and pins Omega and the crowd gasps. They can't believe it. And did you see the camera cut to Okada? And the shock on Okada's face. That just added to everything because Okada is is watching this from the commentary table. And he has this look on his face like, like, I can't even beat Omega. It took me 60 fucking, it took me 48 minutes to beat him at Wrestle Kingdom. I, I, I went 60 minutes and couldn't beat him at Dominion. And then the guy beat me at G1, and this this fucker comes and just shows up and beats him like yeah, that. Right. You know? He's a that this match made Jay White. I thought and it was cool he just, too. He just, it's cool that it took only one go of ahead. moves, too. That that Omega had set up the one wing angel, he slips out of the one wing angel, hits his move, and it's over. And it's like that's Kenny Omega, dude. Like that's what I mean. and you've established years because, of Kenny Omega kicking out of people's moves, being unbeatable, and in one moment he was kind of and again that plays into the larger storyline of the bullet club, but still it, it, it in one way sort of helps um But that's what I'm talking about with the yeah, match yeah. layout. Right, exactly. You're expecting this Kenny Omega epic, especially when he dominates most of the match. Then you're expecting, all right, well, they're going to go back and forth for another fucking 10 minutes and kick out of each other's finishes. But not only did he just nail his finish and beat him, but he escaped Omega's finish. He got out of it. He got out of the one-winged angel, hit his finish, and got the fuck out of there with the title. And, oh, by the way, broke up the Bullet Club, who attempted to recruit him at New Year Dash. But he wanted no part of it because he knew they were weak. He knew they were weak. This is what I'm saying. This guy's smarter than everyone else. He didn't want no part of being in the Bullet Club. This is great stuff. My God, you can sink your teeth into this. It's incredible. And then the post-match. I mean, Rich, do you realize? I know you do. But the listeners, do you guys realize? 
that this Golden Lovers thing is so deep and so detailed with the Bullet Club breakup and Cody and the Golden Lovers. It is so deep, nuanced, and detailed that the match structure of the Young Bucks Rapongi Vice matches at Wrestle Kingdom and this show played into the storyline. That is utterly fucking brilliant. Oh, there's so many layers to this story, too. If you watch the Being the Elite series, too, which I, you absolutely have to, and this week especially, if you're going to watch one, this is the week to watch it. Now, hold on. Let me lay out oh, the Matt Hardy yeah, thing. Go ahead. The, Matt, right. the Matt Buck, and then you can talk about that and, and add that to this. Because, I'm interested how Matt Hardy's involved, but not. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah right. Thank there's God he's more not. layers than I thought. Well, oh, my God. Like, Thank God he's not. Let's leave him with Bray, yeah. with Bray Wyatt so we don't have to pay attention. Um, So Matt Jackson of course, and Komatsu both have the injured backs at Wrestle Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And Matt Jackson's back was so ravaged at Wrestle Kingdom that it still was bothering him coming into this match at New Beginning. And then they have their rematch, and Matt Jackson's back plays a part in this match as well because of what they set up at New Be- set up at Wrestle Kingdom. And they lose the match, and Matt Jackson is so thrashed that he can't even come out and second Kenny Omega against Jay White. It's just Nick. And then, of course, in the post-match, with the Bullet Club all fighting with each other, like Rich talked about earlier, with Adam Page coming out to make the challenge, and Kenny Omega showing respect to Jay White by yanking the title away from Cody and Adam Page and giving it to Jay White. And then as the Bullet Club were all arguing with each other, Mato comes limping out from the back. And Kenny doesn't know what's going on in the chaos, and he shoves Matt down with the injured back, which they started at Wrestle Kingdom. This is so well thought out. We also had the night prior. I don't know if you noticed that in the uh, the tag match that they had, and I watched uh, the last part of that. Is uh, the Bucks were they weren't on their game, and it was obvious that the Omega and the Bucks weren't just uh, they weren't on their game. They just yes. kind of there, there was a little bit missing or whatever. And like Kenny Omega gets pinned, and sort of says, "Where the hell were you guys?" And like, oh, we don't know. He just kind of came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. He just got the pinfall out of nowhere. Then you watch the being the elite, and like you know the Bucks are backstage with Kenny Omega and they're like, Hey, you want to go over our match? And Omega's like, ah, no, I don't really want to. No, I I just need some alone time. I'm just thinking or whatever. And that plays directly into it. Then it's like, well, no, come on, man. We need to get together. So we know what we're doing on this match. And Omega's like, nah, we'll, we'll we'll figure it out when we get to the ring. And then they lose. Yep. And Oh my God, there's so many fucking layers. And that's only half of it. We're only halfway through it. Minor correction. It wasn't when they they won the night before, but they got attacked in the post. match. Oh, that's right. The attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Jay White attacked Omega. And Omega was like, where were you guys to the Bucks? He's like, where, where were you when this guy attacked me? And, and they were very specific in making sure that the viewer heard all of that conversation. <laughs> and the Bucks were like, I don't know, man. We were up on the turnbuckles, you know? So anyway, Matt Jackson, his back injury from a fucking month ago plays into the larger storyline. Because then Nick is insulted that he threw down Matt with the bad back. And the Bucks abandoned Kenny. And they leave him there with the rest of the, and and I love how Marty Skrull and Hangman Page are just kind of they're Switzerland. Like, they don't know who this side. Like no, no, stop, guys, come on. Like especially Page, who's just like, I'm so sorry, I didn't know that. I, and that's why I mentioned him at the top. I like that he was sort of this guy that was like caught in the middle. Like holy shit, yeah. sorry, I just thought I could challenge hey, the look, match. Like, I'm sorry, shot. like I didn't know that, that would be it. Like I just yeah. want the title shot. Like I come out and I ask for the title. That's just what we do. And he's like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Like he's kind of like, oh shit, what did I do? You know, and Marty's just like, what the fuck, guys? Come on. Yeah. And Paige is just like, hey, man, I scored a pin earlier in the night. This is right. how this works. I want my fucking title shot. You know, and, and, and then, and then, of course, 
the Bucks abandon him, and then Skrull and Paige agree to let Cody and Kenny work it out. And of course, Cody double crosses Kenny. And I know that a lot of people are saying the Bullet Club is now broken up and all that. I think it's all still up in the air what's going on. Sure, it is. And it, it, being the elite sort of lets you into that too, because I, I, I don't know if, did you, did you watch that? I did. The most recent one? Okay, so obviously a little bit of background for people that did not watch it. Again, I think it's essential viewing this week uh, for you to watch that because it's a really good episode too. They really dove into it a lot. So obviously they, it's, it's kind of a travelogue as it always, I mean, it, it, in some ways it's a travelogue and then sometimes they kind of put on some stories and stuff. Well, this one was very heavy into the story because you get the travel of the Bucks trying to get to Sapporo and it's, it's a disaster because there's a ton of snow or whatever. Well, they get to an airport and they're, you know, it's, it's Marty and the Bucks and they're walking around or whatever. Well, Kenny Omega just comes walking by them and they're like, oh, hey, Kenny, what's going on? And he's like, oh, I got to go over here. And they're like, well, our gate's here. And, oh, no, sorry, I got to go over here. And it's like, okay. And they're just like, all right, what the hell's up with him? Whatever. Okay, who cares? They see him again and it's like, all right, Kenny, no, no, no. Like our flight's this way. Like, here you go. And he's like, oh, no, I got to I gotta go over here. And it's like this weird thing where Kenny's just kind of on his own. Kenny gets off an elevator and just happens to bump into them. And then he's all friendly. He's, oh, hey, how's it going, guys? What's up? And and then he wants to be buddy-buddy with them for, for that moment or whatever. Uh, obviously, that plays into a little bit. And you can sort of put two and two together when you find out what happened at the end of the match. But um, there's really cool stuff, too, where... Uh, they the post match after after you know the, the attack and the Golden Lovers reunion or whatever you get the Bullet Club Sans Kenny are in a hotel room just eating and no one wants to say a word everyone's being very awkward because they're not sh- they, everyone's on eggshells like okay what what you know what's gonna be the next thing that makes these this whole thing explode and nobody wants to be that guy to do it but then like you're saying they're sort of that weird Bullet Club group but then later in the night the Bucks sort of break off and they meet up with Kenny who brings along Kodobushi and then that's how it ends. Right, is you see Kota Bushi and Kenny walk into the Bucks hotel room, mm-hmm. and that's sort of so. Yeah, it's like, well, are the Bucks playing both sides? Are the Bucks and Kenny, you know, making up? Are they going to kind of make their own little unit? Is you know, where do they stand? Is are the Bucks going to turn on Omega? Is this Omega thing just a ploy to turn on Kota Bushi? Is is it, 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 there's so many fucking layers, and it's like multi-platform too. You got to watch the New Japan World. You know, promos. You got to watch being Backstage the elite comments, but you can get if you just watch New Japan World and just watch the match, you mm-hmm. got a story there. You got enough of it. Right. If you want to de- dig a little bit deeper, you go watch those those yeah. post-match promos. Then you got a little deep. If you want to go mega deep, you go watch being the elite, but everyone right. layers on top of each other. And that's so fucking awesome. And like you're saying, even on Twitter, there's quite a playing it up, too. So there's another platform that if you really want to dig in, but it's not really no matter what platform you're you're going to get a story regardless of whatever platform you, you want, but it's how much do you want to get into this? How much story do you need out of this? Those dudes are so fucking good. This is why we love this company. That's why we t- when we talk about Kenny Omega being the thinking, every step that Kenny Omega takes in a ring, he's thinking about something. He's thinking about what it means, yep. what it could mean, what it should mean. And this is a great, There's this is a testament to Kenny Omega, Kota Bushi to an extent, the Bucks, Cody, I'll give credit to Cody too. Cody's, Cody's been a great awesome. part in this. Cody, Cody's playing his role tremendously. Are you, and Cody, are you listening? Uh, we could timestamp this for you if you need, but Cody, yeah. are you listening? <laughs> yeah. You have been good. Cody. He's been brilliant. He's been brilliant. They've all been brilliant. So anytime and, you want to tweet about that, anytime. But uh, no, And yeah. for Kenny, I mean, there's never a time he's not working. It's And, and I want to point something out. You know, he did it again to Dave. He does these interviews with Dave every January and we all know what happened last year, but if you listen to this year's Dave and Brian, like Kenny Omega is so smart, right? That he's smart enough to know that when he does an interview with Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez, that everyone assumes it's shoot time, yeah. right? And everything's on the up and up and the, the curtain is pulled back. 
but he works. He knows he especially has to work in, in, in those interviews. And it's like a super meta work because he's out of character, but he's still working. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah, no, I got you. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's able to blend the two better than almost anybody in the world. But it's like he's he he's fooling you into thinking he's not working, but he's working. He's lulling because- you into the shoot and then yes. working you as 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 you're being lulled into thinking that this isn't this is Kenny Omega the man talking about stuff. Right. But it's Kenny Omega the character. it's Kenny Omega the character doing Kenny Omega the man it's like this ultra meta thing because he even dropped hints that he wanted to wrestle the Bucks this year and he just made it in this little throwaway